Welcome to the Reptile Gumbo Podcast, episode 199. Jason wanted to do that. I really did. I wanted to go, welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Uh, I haven't practiced. But yeah, hey everybody. Uh, So I've got different co-hosts this week. Katie's off being the good parent. Uh, Robert's out again this week. And I've got, uh, for anybody that actually listen to our other podcast we had one that was a short-lived podcast which we need to ring back at some point uh but it was That'd the pint yeah it was the pint-sized reptile podcast and i have jason miloradovich and travis wyman here how's it going guys doing well i realized that i didn't ask a question for our listeners this week so hopefully we have folks in the chat and we'll uh we'll ask questions along the way but uh let me do all my intro stuff and then we I forgot to-, to plug my laptop in i'll be right back yeah it's important uh, real quick, Little Shop of Horrors is a small feeder and pet supply business based in San Antonio, and they regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities. They offer shipping on their feeder insects, ice pods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents too. They, all feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of the reptiles and the amphibians that consume them. Go see our buddy Lewis over at Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, get your feeder insects, your rodents, anything else. Uh, Herp's Reptile Shows. Make sure I'm trying. I got, normally I have Katie here to help me with this part, but Herp's Reptile Shows. Our next reptile show is this weekend, actually, in Conroe, Texas, January 27th, 28th. Uh, come on, see us. We will be there. Myself, Katie will be there. Uh, we're going to try and do some interviews at Conroe. It's also my birthday weekend. Then Corpus Christi, Texas is February 24th through February 25th. Baton Rouge, March 2nd, March 3rd. Bryan College Station is March 9th, March 10th. Rosenberg, Texas, which is southwest of Tech of Houston. That's that's our new home show. It's around the Sugarland area. It's March 16th, March 17th. Slidell, Louisiana is April 6th, April 7th. Austin, Texas, April 20th and April 21st. And West Monroe is May 4th, May 5th. So come out to the Herp shows. If you need LED UVB light bulbs or halogen heat bulbs. Or smart devices for your reptiles, like cameras and sensors. Go check our friends over at VivTech Products and use code Gumbo22 to save fifteen percent on your purchase. Please go do that. If you haven't gotten bulbs from them yet, you're doing animal keeping wrong. Go do it. I know I'm missing somebody else. Oh, don't forget our giveaway this month. We are giving away. Uh, Katie made a snake print blanket, so you can win a free blanket. All you gotta do is go over to our Facebook page. The post is pinned at the top. Tell us your favorite non-reptile reptile print gift. Uh, it's been interesting because I was expecting like a bunch of like blankets and stuff like that, but we have people posting tattoos and stuff too. But go post what your favorite one is, and if you post a picture, you get a second entry in. End of the month, we'll pull for a blanket that Katie made. I think that's it. I'm from sure, pretty sure I'm forgetting something, but oh well. All right, Travis. Uh, Jason is still plugging in his computer apparently because he apparently doesn't remember computers need energy. So what you been up to? Your volume is not on. Oh, wait, wait. It's me. <laughs> now you okay? Go ahead. Oh, wait. I heard Jason. I always forget the slider for y'all's volume. My slider's good, but I forget the one for so y'all. So what you're telling me is I was fine. It's mm. you that screwed up. I'm still going to blame you. That's fine. 
I mean, you always do. Yeah, it works. <laughs> so, what you been up to? I mean, same old, same old. Uh, work, work is typical craziness where things don't happen and then everything hits all at once. Uh, snakes are being snakes. I got a couple of balls breeding. Um, what a I'm loser. fairly certain that my Kendoya are pretty much in a constant state of orgy. There um, you go. Which, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know if having three female Solomon Island tree boas all go in one year is a there you go moment. I have a really bad feeling it's that, going to give me so much dude, of a headache. <laughs> dude, that's going to be a nightmare. Those, I know. Those things but, are so freaking small. And you yes. can have like 60 of them if all three go. If all three go, I could have like well, 60 of well, them. Shit, that that's, one person- that's, that's the nightmare part for me. That one person a couple years ago got an import off a table at a show that was pregnant and had like 40 babies or 50 babies from one. Yeah. And one of my, one of my, that was a solid on the ground though, wasn't it? Was it a ground? It book? was a ground. Oh, okay. Yeah. But one of, one of my tree boa girls is every inch of five feet. So it wouldn't surprise me if she drops a big litter. Dude, that's going to suck. That's going to be so much frog scenting, lizard scenting, or whatever to try and get that shit going. Yeah. I'm struggling yeah, with these guys right here. What's that? Getting there, but those are the black rush. Uh, from this year, I've got, uh, well, I had 30 born and I lost two during brumation. And so uh, the 28 left, 20 are eating. So getting there. And those go straight into brumation after being born, or do you? I do. Um, I know like when I talk to Rufus, like he does, um, he tries to feed them first and then the ones that don't take Hebrew mates. And I did do that in some of the earlier years, but I, um, I switched it over to, uh, brewmate just immediately. Cause then the whole litter just goes in together. It makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Cause I know that's what people will do with rubbers. They'll, they brewmate them immediately and then feed them afterwards. I don't even try anymore. I've tried with rubbers, but the problem is if they start losing weight, then it's a much harder on them for brumation. So it's better just to let them have that first shed and then put them in the, the freezer, the freezer, the fridge. <laughs> just throw them in the freezer. Don't do the freezer, guys. Don't do that. Fuck them in the freezer. Fuck yeah. with, the, with the rubbers, they'll be fine. They'll just cruise around in the freezer. So, oh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So Travis, you got ball pythons, whatever. Uh, but you got the Candoya. Anything else you got going this year? Um, I've been randomly pairing my Kukri. I don't, I haven't seen them lock up, but, you know, since I'm not in the house 12 hours, 13 hours a day, it's entirely possible they're locking up while I'm not here. You could. So You could always get we'll you one of those cameras from VivTech products to put in your cage, and you'll be able to see at any point if they're having I, sex. I could do that, or I can just let it be a surprise to me. That's no fun. And if anybody wants to get a camera, if you use code GUMBO22, you can save 15%. See what I did there? So you just tied it in right in. Uh, just to make that while money. we're on the topic of VivTech, something I want to throw out. I know Arcadia just came out with this whole luminosity or whatever the hell they are. Um, fixtures that you can control with a fancy app that they have that let you dim them and light them and do all that crap. I just want to remind everybody that VivTech also has those, but they're individual outlets that you can plug your light into rather than the Arcadia, which the timer and everything is integrated into the light. So it allows you to retrofit your pre-existing light systems without costing an arm and a leg. Like if I went to all these new Arcadia systems, it would 
cost me over $2,000 to replace all of my lights. But if I go with VivTech, it would only cost me about 300 bucks. Yes, that is much better. By using those little, you know, smart outlets that VivTech offers. So something else to throw out there for people to keep in mind with their lighting and power needs from VivTech. Plus VivTech's LED bulbs are dimmable. So if you want to, if you have a timer or something that wants to ramp up and ramp down, they work great for that as well. Yeah. Do either of you have those yet? The, which one? The smart plugs? The, or the dimmables? Dim- I don't because I bought, so I bought all my bulbs before they were dimmable. And the problem is these damn things last so long. I haven't had to buy new ones yet. Oh, I, uh, I know that I some of mine are probably the dimmable model. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Jason's got that cold air in Colorado. It keeps freezing and stuff. Did it just flicker on you guys? For a second. Okay. Um, no, I thought there was an option to buy non-dimmable or dimmable. Ones. Their original bulbs were non-dimmable, but they're all dimmable now. That's very cool. I have some of the dimmable ones, but um, I already bought a whole bunch of smart outlets forever ago when I started doing this on my own, which was before VivTech had released theirs. And I really don't feel like (laughs) retrofitting all of that. So I don't use the dimming function on any of mine, but if I get, you know, any new cages and stuff set up, they'll be getting those dimmable functions as I add new smart outlet systems for those cages. Yeah. I've got old smart, old smart plugs that I had for forever. And that's what everything's on, on, off. And it's funny. I've got my fish tank. I bought a light for my fish tank and, uh, it's it's got the whole thing built into one, and it actually has a ramp up and ramp down, and does a sunrise and a sunset, and like I've got to where like that's really cool for that. I need to do that for my reptiles. So at some point, I'm gonna switch over and do doable. I think for my for reptiles, it's got to be like crazy for these lizards all of a sudden. Like, hey, it's nighttime, it's daytime. Think about snakes that can't blink. Yeah, it's time to wake up. But uh, all right, so Travis, you get kukris. So if you get babies there, that's getting bit nonstop. That'll be fun. Is that yeah. the one that got you so good between the fingers? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> With their weird ass dagger teeth. Yeah. They're 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 bitey. They like to bite. Um. Uh, I've got that colony of beaked snakes. Um. I haven't seen anything from them, but again, I'm not here. 12 hours a day and so they could be doing anything that they want um the first time i got eggs from them i never saw any walks or anything because they do their own thing mostly during the day they're highly highly diurnal yeah. uh, so. you don't have any calabar projects anymore no i don't you guys have the calabars <laughs> i uh i love the species but i I just went through some stuff in my head and as much as I love them, I was losing the passion for them and I wanted to be able to apply that passion somewhere else and not neglect those animals. So I sent them on to you guys. And I was talking to you before we got on about the female. I'm trying to get her to eat and she wouldn't eat for me. I just looked at her. I think I can see her right now. Looks like she's in shed. She hasn't eaten for me and now she's in shed. So apparently she's growing without me feeding her. Uh, So now it's going to be even longer before she decides to eat for me. But it happens. How are you? Tried live or just frozen thawed? Both, both. I, uh, I've gotten one male to eat frozen, and I got one male to eat live, and then she doesn't want anything. But she's now in shed, so I guess once she gets through this, we'll try live again and see what she wants. How are yours doing? 
They're doing good. They've actually gone back and forth between live and frozen, and they've taken both. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My rats are having babies like crazy right now, so I got a lot of extra pinkies and. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not raising rats. That's gross. And uh, even my mice. So that's great for these sambos. Mm-hmm. So uh, I clean cages twice a week. <laughs> How are what are the sambo stuff do you have going on? Just the Russians or? Yeah, I own some Kenyans. Um, not a lot still, and I've never paired them. So uh, maybe I'll try that this year. My problem is I own a lot and I f- forget to pair them. Like, I realize I have like 11 adult females in there and I don't have anything paired right now. So I should probably get on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I collected all these females at I one point. Late, I feel like compared to a lot of other people, like there's people having boa births and yeah, I, I pair whenever like with, with the Sambo's though, it's always been a kind of as I feed males and they decide not to eat. Then I put males with females. That's, that's usually my measuring stick for when to put them together. What time of year is that? It just differs. I guess because I, I keep cages at a constant temperature and there's really no fluctuation. There's really no seasons in the room and they just kind of, it, it just all depends. And like I've got uh, red tails together. Oh, common boas for the losers out there. But red tails together right now. Um, and the males, I have two males, two different females, and they are going at it. Um, hopefully it takes. Because I had, I had a male with one female last year and he's with her again this year and I saw him try last year and nothing took. So I, I need them right now. I'm just trying to test out two females to see if they truly are het albino. Uh, so I was like, all right, we'll just bang, put two sun glows out there and we're going to see if we can get some albinos. Cause last year I tried to see if I had a head albino male and surprise he's hit Annery and that's not what I wanted, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I like boas. You just put them together and they do all the work. Uh, Canal side exotics asked, I ever breed my rainbow? I mean, I bred that's yeah. I've still got babies left over from my original male and my female. Um, I did. I've bred rainbows for that was easy for me too. I don't know. I don't do, I don't do cycles. I don't do like, I just push it together and then, and then they have sex. I I wish there was like a more scientific way to how I do it. And I could be like, Hey, you should do this. I was like, I put them together and then they start having sex and then there's babies at some point. It's going to be different for everybody. I feel like mine, um, even if I didn't, I do cycle mine, but even if I didn't try, they're going to do it naturally just because it gets so cold here. That room, the room probably gets mid eighties in the summer. And yeah. right now it's 75, 76. Yeah. Mine's constantly air conditioned and nice and cold or else I'm not going in there. Uh, keep my house at a nice cozy 69, 68 degrees all year. So why would you do a damn full thing like that? Cause I'm fat and sweat a lot. And I don't understand people that eat their entire room. I would not keep snakes if I had to. Do. If that was the only way to keep snakes, like, all right, the only way to do it is a room that's ambient temperature. Fuck it. I'm not having snakes, I guess. that's I'm done. I mean, I kind of do that, not by design. It's just that with all of the lights and everything in the cages, the ambient heat in there tends to sit around 80 or so during the summer little cooler in the winter like i can't imagine somebody that keeps sambo as being able to do ambient like so my, my sambo is like a hot spot of like 90 90 there's no way i'm walking into a room that's 90 degrees and granted you can't, it's just a hot spot that's not the that's the other my problem is like doing ambient temperature a snake has no way to like 
really cool down. If you do true, just heat the whole room to say 85. There's no get away from a hot spot if the whole room is 85. I don't, plus I'd die in there. Well, I think the argument with ambient is that the animals are less likely to need a hot spot because the ambient, you know, once they reach that equilibrium with the ambient, it's the temperature that they would ideally be at by sitting in the hot spot and then leaving to yeah. get to. So if while you keep your hot spot at 90 for your canyons, you know, their ambient temperature, their ideal temperature might be something like 82. Ugh. So if your room is at that, then they wouldn't need a hot spot because they would just be able to continually maintain that level of temperature. Yeah, I think if if ambient was the only way to go, I'd end up being like a montane keeper of so, whatever some sort of montane snake that is good at like sixty uh, rubbers. I'll just the keep rubbers. That's all it is. Snakes. I'll just keep rubber boas. <laughs> the old world rat snakes would be good. Rhino rats, uh, mandarin rats, bamboo rats. Yeah, we had uh, those Easy crested geckos. Lots and lots of crested oh, geckos. Just, fuck that. I'd, I'd rather just uh, you could keep euro uh, euros. See, see, it's funny. You say Euro and you mean Europlatus, and I think Euro and I think Euromastics. Not, not Euromastics. Because yeah, <laughs> that's completely different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you keep Euromastics, you're going to have to have an ambient of like 150. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when, like with a Euromastics, it's like looking at when, you know, you go to a fast food place and they have the burgers underneath that red hot light and it's just staying, keeping it That's a Euromastics. It just wants to be in that. Uh, that's ridiculous. I, I'm always uh, shocked at how hot they like it. I'll just hang out there. It's fucking. I can't do that. I'm. It's a weird thing. I'm. I don't like the hot, uh, but of course I like reptiles, and they like it when it's warmer. Like right now, it's cold. It gets gets cold here in the year. Well, not you're kind of cold, and definitely not fucking Jason's kind of cold. Screw that. Uh, but I like it cold, and then it's gonna get hot later in the year, and that's like animals are out, and I don't want to be outside in that. It's it's, it's a catch twenty two. Oh, uh. Canal side exotic says they heard people will keep their Brazilians together year round and still produce. Yeah, I mean people do that with a lot of snakes. I've I've done that before with Samboas. I my original pair lived together for the longest time and like clockwork every year. Actually, and I did with my uh, my rosy boas like clockwork every year. They pump out babies. Um, it's just it's it's hard on some boas and like for a Brazilian, I'd hate to keep them year round and have her produce two years in a row. Because, I mean, it takes a lot out of them. I mean, they carry those babies for five to six months. So, for half the year, they're gravid. Then they finally give birth, and you're trying to get them to put on weight in a couple of months before they start having sex again to have babies and carry them again for half a year. Uh, it just seems rough. What are your thoughts, Jason? Um, I mean, I think a lot of times if somebody is keeping them together, they probably are getting a little bit of the cycle just because everybody's house has changed. If you got windows, you're getting um, a photo period change, but I do agree. I mean, if it's not putting on the right weight, you don't want to, it's hard to get them to bounce back from that. If they have a litter and they come back too small. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that like people that breed ball pythons may not understand with boas is just how much goes into them carrying those because ball python, they're going to pump those eggs out in a month and then you take care of them for two months and yeah, you can get weight back on them. But ball pythons eat very differently too. Like they can digest a lot faster and have meals. I mean, there's people that feed their ball pythons multiple times a week, you know? That's crazy. And yeah, a rainbow doing, boa, you certainly don't want to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's like so. Like my my big bow is I definitely don't do back to back years. It just because if you've ever seen a, and you've seen it before, Jason, when you see like a, a red tail after they have babies, they look like a flattened sock. Like they can look pretty. They're bad. deflated. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, there's, there's the Calabars. I've, I've kept the one pair housed together in quarantine, and I'll probably once I move out of quarantine and get a bigger cage, I'll probably end up housing all of them together communally in a big. They're probably the only somewhat bioactive cage I actually own. But there's some things I keep communally. But again, I especially when you're trying to breed stuff for certain traits. Like Brazilians, I would just be breeding a Brazilian to Brazilian. Like I don't have any morphs. I'm like you, Jason, who have morphs. So it's very specific on who goes to who. So Yeah. Um, do you keep your rubber boas together? Yeah, actually I do. Well, one of them uh, lost her her future mate uh, last year. But yeah, the other two are, are housed together. I just separate them to feed them. You keep yours together? See, and I never have. I've never, I know most, most people do keep them together and I don't. Huh. Yeah. No. Travis, keep, something I should try. Travis, you keep yours together, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't even have to separate them to feed it. <laughs> I probably don't I have find one. I give it its, <laughs> I give it its meal and then I go and find the other one and give it its meal. It's <laughs> funny. The third one and give it its meal. The, the pair that I have together, they're, uh, they eat. They're, they're not overly voracious. Like I'll separate them. I'll lay the food in there and I come back a few hours and they've eaten it. The lone female I have will eat right off the tongs as much as I can pump into her. So they're so drastically different. And it's like, there's no real keeping difference. They're on the bottom of a rack right next to each other. So they're the exact same temp, but man, the female and it shows too in the size. I mean, she is much bigger. Oh, canal side says, I'm a gecko and lizard breeder. This is going to be their first season breeding snakes. Good luck. Uh, good luck. Um, what kind of snakes? I'm assuming Brazilians because they asked about them. I'm guessing. Uh, I can't help you there. I mean, if it was balls, I'd say don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, Literally anybody can breed ball pythons. I did it. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... What I always get crazy about is people that like, especially like ball python people, when they talk about boas breeding, they always talk about how gross it is because they're all slimy. I'm like, that's my favorite thing. It's like walk in and there's a giant pile of slime. Like, I love that. And it, it's not gross. I've heard people say it smells. There's no smell to a fresh litter of boas being born. I mean, there's a little bit of an odor because everything has an odor, but. Uh, there's an odor, but it's definitely not a bad odor. I mean, it's. I guess I find it exciting because I know there's babies when I smell that. Yeah, but it's not like oh, it's it's not like they shit. Like it's not. It's like it's definitely not a bad smell. If, if you've been keeping snakes long enough that you've had a you know a rodent get left oh, behind, no. nothing smells as bad as that. So regurge. I, I don't know what you're whining about. Yeah, a regurge. Okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> a regurge. A neurodia that decides to musk on you. Oh, but God. like there there are things that I am certain smell so much worse. Than a litter of boas. Yeah. Uh, Canal side said that they had Brazilians come in from the rescue, uh, but they're not breeding those. But they are breeding hypo Arizona mountain kings and cow kings. Well, that'd be fun. I don't know anything about Arizona kings, but cow kings shouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't do egg layers for the most part. I like letting the mom do all the work. So I mean, you can do that with egg layers. Yeah, 
But then, uh, mm, yeah, that uh, that would scare me because then you've got to make sure that everything in that tub or cage is perfect so they have the ability to put it where they want to. And I guess for a lot of people, I don't know how well that would work, especially for cages where someone keeps stuff on straight paper. Like, I don't know if you could do maternal incubation on. You can do it. Can you? Uh, I've known some people who've done it. I will pass. Travis, what do you do? Maternally incubate anything? Uh, not now. I have my first couple, three years I did because I was only doing like one or two clutches. I let the mothers do MI. Was that all with ball pythons? Yeah. Cool. Well, and then like with king snakes, I imagine they're, I mean, that's, they're just going to lay them and go. So you can't, there's no maternal incubation there. But. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, I, I thought about this question earlier. If you had to get rid of all your snakes, every snake, and you could only keep one species to keep, breed, do whatever, what is it? Travis, you go first. If you only have oh. one species. God damn. And you can have, look, you can have one species. I know for you, morphs and all that. I mean, ball python side is morphs and all, but. But see, quite frankly, no, if I could only have one species, it wouldn't be ball pythons. I know, I know. I, I don't. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I don't like morphs because I have a bunch of morphs, but I like morphs just for my own edification and doing my own thing with them. I'm not out there, you know, chasing everybody's favorite things and doing stuff like that. I'm I'm making things that I want to see for myself, and I don't care whether or not other people like them. So if it was just for me, I probably wouldn't do that because first and foremost, I got into keeping snakes for like, you know, because I, I could build, you know, little terrariums and stuff for them. So I would want to be able to maintain that side of it, you know, the more naturalistic type of thing. Um, if I could only have one, I would probably. As much as I love my rubbers, I would probably go with Alterna. Really? Do you? How much mm-hmm. Alterna do you have right now? I've only got one now. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I haven't been like a huge collector of them, but Alterna, you know, when I finally realized, hey, I'm an adult and I can do what I want and get the things that I want, you know, Alterna were one of those things, you know, along with the rubber boa that just from the Audubon guide had always been on my list of things I wanted to keep. And that was the first you know, of my grail species, as I call them, that I picked up. Um, I had a female that she, five, six, six or seven years ago, she got uh, a kidney tumor. Mm. Um, my vet friend removed it and, and I got her back. She lived great. And then this year when she came out of brumation, um, for the first time ever, the male was showing interest in her and I was kind of excited about that. But then as I was looking at them one day, I realized that her back end was swelling strangely and she had developed a tumor on her one remaining kidney. And so then I had to go through kind of a mental struggle of, do I break them up now or do I try and let them go and see if I can get a clutch out of her before the tumor takes her? And much to my chagrin and a little bit kicking myself still. Uh, 
the tumor grew so much faster than I anticipated it. She got egg bound oh, and damn. I lost her. It sucks. So, I mean, I was going to lose her regardless. And after really thinking it through and talking with a whole bunch of people going for it, just at the time seemed right. Because if I could get a clutch out of her and get babies, then I would have legacy. Yeah. Yeah. You got and a piece of her left. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I said, the tumor just it grew so fast, Damn. and that sucks. Yeah. How old was she? When she was got her in '06. Hmm. So yeah, I've got eighteen. I've got one corn snake left from my original corn snakes in two thousand five, and I'm. Like he's not gonna be around much longer. He's gotten to the point where like he's blind, and uh, so when he goes to eat, it just randomly strikes stuff, and it just I'm like ah, it's not gonna be much longer for him. That that was my corn snake. <laughs> you know, I got him when I was 14, and he passed seven years ago. Yeah, so I've got some rosies it, that are old enough to drink now. <laughs> <laughs> it's my condor. My, my condor girl was born in 2003, so my, she's old enough to drink. In fact, my um. Well, they're in the fridge over there and they're not in that cage right now, but the um, rubber boas that live over there are, they were born in 1994. So they're almost 30. My rainbow. I got my female rainbow that I still have. I think it was 2006 in Daytona and she was a full grown female then. So she's probably three, four then. So she's probably 2003, 2002. Um, She's still kicking. So nice. But yeah, so uh, so Travis, if you were to do Alterna, are you one of those that would get locale crazy about them, or? Um, maybe a little bit, only in as much as I, my girl, and my boy were both black gap specimens. I really like the look of the black gaps and that western stuff. So I would probably just lean into the western locales. So would you lean into them based on locale? But what if someone found you one that wasn't that locale but gave you the same look you wanted? Would you go for a look? I would keep it. I mean, I would probably, you know, keep it separate from breeding just because gotcha. I know I know the craze for bloodlines. And while I don't, I'm not against generic alterna for people that aren't just going to really get into it. Way to sound all snooty there, Travis. Well... There's All of you generic alternative keepers, he doesn't have time for you. No, I, I'm not saying I don't have. I, <laughs> I I appreciate that some people out there just want to have an alternative that looks really good and they don't care about lineage, and that's yeah. fine. Um, I prefer the locale stuff just because I. That's you know one of the quirks for me with them is how each locale is really unique and different, and so I'd want to maintain those unique and different natures to them. Um, also. With the generic ones, there is known hybrid blood in a lot of those, which is why uh, every three or four or five years, somebody pops out an albino alterna, and it's not. It's one of these bastard <laughs> back crosses um, originally to a Ruthveni to get the albino gene into it. And then they just keep breeding those back into pure alterna to make them look really alterna. So you did it and again, so you Travis. Have to explain year and year and year 
after year that no, you did not just suddenly find <laughs> a, a magic they albino did it. alternative. It's worth thirty thousand dollars, and you shut your mouth, Travis. They're they're yeah. amazing. You also did it again. You use you use another term that I view differently. You said Ruth and I, and when I use it, I mean Louisiana pine snakes. <laughs> and it's not yeah, the same right. when you use it. That's the problem with species. And people are like, let's just keep using the same fucking species name right. again and again. Lampropeltus. Um, yes, I was, I was Pitiophis, Ruth and I. You're Lampropeltus, Ruth and I. Mine is cooler. I, I think I, that is know. the problem with people crossing stuff is uh, you can get really neat hybrids. But when the, those hets get back out there and people are, aren't honest about what they are, they end up in ha- people's hands that think they have something pure and then it does create problems like that well especially with king snakes especially like like uh was it king snakes and some of the milk snakes or king snakes and the corn snakes right they mix all those things together and you can get some pretty cool looking hybrids and somebody will see, like i've seen some of those king snake corn snake crosses that if the regular person doesn't know they'll think oh that's an amazing corn snake cross and you're like it, it, but it's not it's mm-hmm. You know, or what is it? The is it Imperial Kings or whatever, where it's like uh, Imperial Kings, uh, Jungle, Jungle Kings, Kings. yeah, uh, Calcorns. I mean, yeah, you hear all kinds of things. Um, Even the locality and- boas run into that. I mean, I've seen a lot of um, supposedly pure Hog Island boas that are clearly crossed. You know, people just don't know better. Yeah, because that's what yeah. they bought it as. You know. And that's the, again, that's the problem with the Alterna, especially with the Alterna. Those initial hybrids, they were kind of made on the sly because somebody was trying to go for the glory. And then it came out that that's what they had done. And so a lot of people were upset about that. because That's even worse. Had, I mean, yeah, just be they honest had been about what lying. you're working with. So you, you brought up Hog Island a second ago, Jason. This is one thing I've seen people when they talk about hog island, especially like videos online and stuff, they always call hog islands dwarf boas. And I get that they're not like nine foot, 10 foot boas and they're not BC, uh, I guess old BCC, but not boa constrictor. They're both, but I don't view like hog island as a dwarf boa the same way I would do some of the central American ones that are dwarf boas, you know, that Mm -hmm. really like, look, this big female is four foot. Like that. I've seen big hog islands. Where, where do you sit on it being a dwarf boa? It's smaller then but i feel like it's still a bigger boa i mean i like vin russo kind of called them mid dwarf boas yeah and that makes a lot of sense to me because they are snakes that will breed between four and five feet for females which is a lot smaller than your mainland a lot of your mainland boas are going to be you know south american boas and stuff anyway but um i think that is kind of fitting because there is stuff that's a lot smaller um and it's interesting that hog islands will get big if they're fed to be big yeah. Where some of the other boas just really kind of don't do that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've seen six foot hog island females, like big, thick six foot hog island females. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, that doesn't match dwarf when someone's thinking dwarf boa, like some of those smaller ones. Like, what's the, uh, I can't remember the mountain, what's the mountains, the cloud ones or whatever? Tamalipas. Yeah. Like cloud forest boas. And then the uh, Terahumara. Yeah. The, there's the Sigma. So they're from the western side of Mexico, but they're also very small. I like that's another one when we talk hybrids, right? Hog Islands, uh, you know, they call them sunsets or whatever when they mix them with hybrid. Like it's, it's all there's very hard to find true Hog Islands out there because a lot of people had a red tail, like a you know, Colombian, and then they had a Hog Island. And they're like, all right, we'll just breed it together, and it looks close enough to one or the other to be able to call it that. 
Well, and then they breed it back into one or the other. Like, yeah. so if you take one of those hybrids, so the sunsets are a good example. Um, do you remember in the beginning, the sunset was the super hypo version only? The other ones were just called hypo hogs. Yes. And that, for some reason, that changed to where if it had um, any of the Central American hypo in it, it was all of a sudden sunset. Anyway, it's kind of off topic. But um, <laughs> the normal looking ones from those pairings, if they did a uh, just if it was just a hypo and so you got some that were basically half Colombian, half hog Island. If you bred that back to a hog Island, it looked a lot like a hog Island. And then those got, were getting pushed out there cause they weren't as, as they weren't worth as much basically as was what the hypo hogs would have been. Well, in, in hogs, it's a weird thing because they're naturally hypo. So like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's one of the, that's one of those things. Like it's a lot like the Brazilians where uh, if a friend comes over to see one, you're like, Oh, it's, it's really pretty. I want to show it to you. And then you show it to him like, Oh, it looks like shit right now. Uh, it's dark phase. Yeah. Come back my, tomorrow. Um, my, the Pearl islands that I have are also naturally hypomelanistic. They're all super hypos on the Island, but same thing. They're really variable. They get lights and darks. They're just, they're a cool snake. I would like to get a hypo or I mean, get a hog again. It's been a long time since I've had one, but I've moved so much towards some of the stuff I'm doing in my other boas. I just don't have the space for an, another boa. That's the only problem. Like, so we'll go with Jason. I'll get to, to this in a second, but we'll go with Jason. I same thing to ask Travis. If you had to get rid of all your snakes, what is one species? You only one species. What are you keeping? That's a tough one. Those rubber boas I mentioned have a, they're very sentimental, that particular pair to me. Um, but if I was down to one species, it would probably have to be Brazilian rainbows. They, I would say it was really what's, what sparked my interest in the beginning. Yeah. I, um, my first boa was just a, a common boa or a not true red tail. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it from the pet store and like, it was either late 95 or early 1996, but in doing research on that to prove to my parents that I would be able to take care of a snake, I found, uh, I was doing it all at the library, but I came across a book and it had a picture of a Brazilian rainbow. And I just, I was blown away. I'd never seen anything like it. And um, so once I got that first boa established, I bought four, four rainbows actually like within that next year. Jeez. I, uh, yeah, uh do you remember, um, reptiles used to have the classifieds ads in the back? Yes. And there was, uh, Peter Cow was advertising rainbow boas. And so I borrowed my mom's credit card and I was like, I promise I'll pay you back. <laughs> but that's when they <laughs> were still affordable. Like you can't go do like, that's when they were 125 bucks or less. Well, and that was also driving to um, the airport and picking them up at Delta Dash. You guys remember? Oh, yeah, that? Delta Dash. Man. It Delta. was brutal because the planes were always late, and I'd, it'd always be a late-night flight. And then I'd end up sitting there until like 1 or 2 in the morning. And, yeah, that, that FedEx is so much it's, easier. It's What's so funny now is like you'll see new people like, don't trust someone if they won't ship with this or that, which I agree. With, with, with the way shipping is now, you should definitely trust somebody who ships through one of the official shippers. But I'm like, all right, well, if you were in the hobby in the early 2000s or 90s or earlier, like, uh, so many things got shipped as like just random shit, not snakes. I totally, Dude, totally, shipped, yeah. I totally shipped a gecko from uh, from Alabama to Texas in just a box through like overnight FedEx or UPS or something like that. I had, I, yeah, UPS was first. I was certified to ship through them, and then I got certified to ship through FedEx when UPS quit doing snakes. And then once uh, Ship Your Reptiles started, they were just. I could get a way better deal using them. So I've been with them since 2009. Yeah. And, and I was not certified. I was just shipping a lizard through the mail. Arthur, <laughs> and it happened. My, um, my, the first hypo boa that I bought, you remember how expensive hypos were? Yes. Back in the day. And, and then they crashed um, very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
after I bought the first one and before I bred her. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I like. Her. <laughs> um, but anyway, the guy, I made him a deal that if he'd cover shipping, I'd pay what he was asking for it, and it was um, almost a full-grown adult. And then he flipped out on how much how expensive it was going to be to overnight it. So the dude literally just put it in a box with duct tape. There was no bedding. There was no styrofoam, and it was it was rough. It was really weird opening that one up. I, I I've said this one before. My first uh, adult pair of boas I I got in two thousand six or seven that I found out later on. I believe came from Rob Stone. Got shipped in two cardboard boxes taped together so it would hold both of them, and then it was labeled frogs. But I mean, it was a six foot female and a five foot male. This thing weighed thirty pounds, labeled frogs. And came overnight. Six, seven hundred frogs in there. Yeah, I was like, "That's hilarious!" Like, people would kill you. Know, they're like, "Don't you ever buy from someone like that?" That would do that. But I'm like, "That's how it was." It just you had to get them from point A yeah. to point B. It would just say collectibles or books or something on it. Yep. Oh, yeah, one of my earliest snakes that I got. Um, it was just in. It wasn't in like a pad, like one of those eight and a half by 11 by like two inch thick FedEx boxes. <laughs> it was just in one of those in a pillowcase. Nice. And it got delivered to the front office where I was working. And it literally said on there, Python. And <laughs> <laughs> the receptionist was not happy about a boxed Python sitting on the desk. My last one. I've had some rough ones. I had one that um, it was delivered to my work, but it happened. To, there was a surprise snowstorm. And we, I mean, I had the door. I was, it was early when they got there, but I had the door unlocked and everything. And they just dropped the box out in the snow. Oh shit. Luckily I was checking. So I found it right away, but uh, yeah, it was, I was a little surprised. Cause that one actually did. I think it said rep, live, live harmless reptiles, perishable with the red arrows. Remember those boxes? Oh yeah. My, uh, my last rubbers came wrapped inside of a, they were inside of a bag inside of a like fish tank uh, filter box. Just, taped together and it was like the outside of it was a filter box with a label stick stuck to it and and fedex apparently took somebody it who ships a lot no not at all uh they came in alive it was it worked out i don't want any delays anything that i can prevent so it's going to look as professional as possible when i do mine yeah oh yeah i know i've got the whole kit from uh reptiles to you where they give me the boxes and all the pieces of styrofoam all the boxes are labeled and then you can go to the website and print out the labels which now that i do like stickers and having sticker paper god it's so much easier i just print the labels on sticker paper and I just cut it and stick the whole thing it's just one giant sticker i don't oh, take that makes it. sense yes. did you guys ever get certified through fedex to do your own no i didn't um i was actually working through the certification process right when syr fired up and i will i remember that as i was like i i'd like contacted fedex to set up everything so that i could get certified and the operator that I was talking to said, look, there's a reptile company that's setting up to do this as like a second rate, a second shipper for everybody. And you just register with them. You might want to wait a couple of months. So yeah. because I was told that I was like, OK, well, then I'll just wait until I hear about this officially launched. And so, yeah, you basically had to set up a box like you were shipping something. So I remember, I remember the, the process cup and the padding. Yeah. Yeah, and but, then you um, have to send it to them, and they they check it and test it and send it back to you. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty easy, all said. But it, like I said, it just wasn't. Um, I didn't have any kind of volume to get a discount, and so by yeah. getting on to ship your reptiles with their discount, I think I was automatically saving 
well, at that time it was probably 10 or 15 bucks, but that's back when you can ship a box for 40. <laughs> you can um, ship a box across town for 40. Sometimes. I don't even know about that. It's, it's <laughs> nuts how expensive it gets. I'll get these quotes and it's like, you know, $87 to ship. Yeah. I, I shipped a, I shipped a snake in state and it cost me 67 bucks. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. That's people nowadays when they want to order something online, they're like, uh, we do free shipping. No, no, I can't afford it. It's a big hit, especially if it's not a real expensive snake. I mean, I can see if it's a, you know, two, $3,000 snake, but if yeah. you're shipping a $150 snake, you just, I mean, you have zero profit left because you've also fed that six, eight times, you know? Yeah. I had somebody last week ask me if I would send, I have a, a Mojave, is Mojave het genetic stripe listed for $58. So, so brown ball python. If, Got it. They wanted to know if I would send it for 58 shipped. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I, th- at that point, I'm literally paying you to take the snake from me. It's, it's negative profit. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That is crazy. You get some of the weirdest people messaging you, I, though. You get the I strangest do. requests, like, dude, way I got out of left field. I got so angry last week. Like, two things back to back. One, I, I, I told you, I tried. I tried morph market auctions, right? Uh, which I look, I think it's a good idea. I've seen some things on there. It's cool, but I tried the morph market auctions and then someone won. And then of course they didn't answer the next day or the next day, like three days later. They go, oh, sorry. I had a death in the family, yada, yada, yada. And like, they may have, but I've been in the hobby long enough just to not believe somebody when they say that shit. And it's really, Oh, I didn't expect to actually win. I don't have the money. And so luckily morph market's like our bad. We'll go ahead and open it back up so you can post it again. And uh, I decided to post a more expensive one. I tried it. It didn't meet the the minimum that I had set for it. It's fine. I kind of didn't expect it to, but I wanted to try anyways. But then I get a message from, I guess, whoever was the last bidder. And it, it, it stopped bidding at 250 and I had the price set higher than that. And they're like, hey, did I win? I was like, well, it didn't meet the the minimum. Oh, will you take 230 for it? Dude, the, the minimum bid was 250 and that wasn't enough to get it. Like, I'm not taking 230 for it. What? It doesn't make sense at all. And then I get a message like shortly after from someone else about another one of my snakes. Like, hey, I want to buy this. Can you send me more pictures? Sure. Here's three pictures of it. Awesome. Uh, I'll get back to you on Monday. And then they basically, it was like, they're not buying Crickets, it. Crickets, right? Yeah. I'm like, don't message me. Li- if you're going to, look, if you're going to message me, at least be up front and be like, look, I don't know if I'm going to get it right now, but can you do this? Because then I can go, yes, no, maybe. And I know, but don't message me with a, hey, I'm going to buy this. Let me get some pictures. Well, and I, I understand wanting to get a deal or asking for a deal. I mean, I've done that. I, I try not to be absurd about it because I've had some really low ball that are just offensive, you know, I've <laughs> never gone that route. Um, but I would say, you know, like the three of us, we all have jobs. This is a hobby for us. Um, I know with myself, what I sell goes back into buying bedding and food and everything. Yep. Um, one of the things that frustrates me the most is when you have this whole chain of talking with somebody and then they just disappear. Like, I mean, for anybody listening, at least respond and say, Hey, I decided to go elsewhere or I decided not to buy it. Just don't leave us hanging like that. Or if that same person goes elsewhere and then comes to you to ask you questions about the animal they bought from somebody else. Yes, that happens a lot. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, (laughs) lost my train of thought. What was I going to say there? Um, yeah, that's a bad one. (laughs) I just, I know that's a recent one. So I was like, let's go ahead and bring that up. Yeah. What? I mean, I do like talking snakes and I do, if somebody, even if it didn't come for me, I want them to have the information so that it's lives a long, healthy life. It does frustrate me a little bit that 
the sellers who are selling these at these shows aren't telling people any of this stuff. Well, that one's frustrating. A card or their their name and just, I mean, especially something like a rainbow boa that does have a little different needs. Yeah. You know, like educate the people that are buying it. Well, that was frustrating because the conversation it's started the with it's you. Who they're buying from? Yeah. You know, they come to you and they see that you've got them, and then they ask you all the questions, and you're willing to talk to them. Yeah. But they want the one that the flipper table has for $200 cheaper than you. They know that guy's not going to talk to them because that guy's just a flipper. And yeah. he, that guy doesn't care. All he cares about is moving it off of his table and getting his 200 bucks. That's, I think, so, that's the problem is everybody, look, I get it. Economy sucks right now. It's hard to spend money on certain things and everybody wants to buy the cheapest version of something. But sometimes you pay extra for not only the animal being higher quality and coming from, you know, but you know, the breeder knows who the parents works. They have them, but you also pay extra for the breeder. Like it's a little extra so that you know that that's a person you can always go to and they're going to help you. Yeah, yeah. The service that comes with it and, uh, this being selectively bred. I mean, the stuff on a flipper's table, that might be a farmed animal that you're going to struggle with where, you know, I've got, um, the, the animals I'm currently breeding. A lot of those are descendants of those first ones that I got in 1996. So there's a lot of selective effort that's gone into that, you know, yeah. Time. So I made both of y'all answer the question of what you would go down to. So I'll go ahead and let's see if I can figure out. It's a hard question. I thought about it the other day. I was like, oh man, I can ask them that. And then I've got to answer it. And it's much harder for me to figure out what one species I would do. Like, Ball pythons. Yeah, that's it. Ball pythons. <laughs> Fucking, you got it. Do it. Uh, you know, I've, I've got tons of Samboas and they're cool and I really like them, but I don't think they'd be cool enough for me to be the only species I had if I had to. Like, I like them because size wise, they're great. I can do some of the genetic stuff with them, and I like the idea of getting all the different types of Samboas and how different they are. So I'm not able to do that if I'm only getting one species. So it's probably not Samboas. Brazilian Boas are where I started. I like Brazilian Boas. I don't know if it's enough for me to keep one species of them. I think they're cool, but that's they don't. I don't think that's for me. I almost wanted to say Rubber Boas because that's always been a dream of mine to get them, and I have them now, and I love them, and I, th- I would love to have like 20 Rubber Boas in that room right now. But I think if I'm going to be honest with something that would keep my attention long term in one species, I'm probably going boas, like Colombian boas. Just I'm, call, I'm calling them red tails. Fuck everybody else. But I can do all the genetics with them. I, I enjoy the variety. That's why I like like the jungle gene and the hypo gene, uh, mixing it with albino because you get so many different things coming out in the offspring. So that's always fun every time they have babies. Like, look, if, when my rainbow has babies, they're going to come out looking like Brazilian rainbow boas. That's it. Right. If if my rubber boas have babies, they're going to come out looking like rubber boas. And that's cool for for folks. But that's I like the genetics part and all that. So I'd probably go I'd probably go Colombian red tails. That's probably and that's opening up to all morphs then. Yes. Still, still it's one species and I can get all the different colors. And I say that, but I only do like five morphs. I just mix those five more. Like I like hypo. I like jungle. I like motley albino for sure. And I've kind of grown to really like, I don't have it because I can't afford it, but I want Labyrinth. I think that's a really cool gene. And I don't know why it's so expensive because it's an incomplete dominant gene. So I don't understand why it's still fucking expensive, but it is. And I can't afford it. Um, Look at IMG. I never thought that would keep the, maintain the high prices. Still kicking yourself on that one. I am. Yeah. Cause I literally, when I was offered some really early on that I said, just following the hypo, this is not, it's not going to last, you know? So I, I didn't do it. I will say IMG I do like when mixed with albino. Like I like the albino hypo IMGs because they just come out like so bright red when the way that gene sets in. 
Yeah. You know, it's so weird to say, I like a gene called increased melanin gene when I mix it with things that gets rid of melanin. But it, it just, they look so cool. They become this kind of solid red color. Yeah, and you typically don't go for dark snakes. I don't. Uh, um, I'm really... IMG, go ahead, Travis. I, I had this guy that I chat with bring this to me. And since I know nothing about boas, I wasn't able to give him any answers. Um, he told me that the belief is that IMG is just a simple dominant gene and no super has been made. But he showed me a clutch of IMG by IMG, and there's a pretty uh, distinct phenotypic difference from what I can see in that clutch. I don't know. So, I've never heard that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it, they grow up to be solid black, so I guess it's kind of hard to tell in, in adults because it's, it's either a black snake or a black snake. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's eventually going to overpower whatever's with it. I think. Yeah, and and maybe that's it. Is just they're they're only looking at the adults. But I mean, like I said, the the clutch that he sent me, you could see that there were two different phenotypes. You should send me that picture if you still have it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to find it in my. Here we go. I'm really getting excited about um, uh, locality boas too. Over the last handful of years, that's I, like you were talking about earlier. It's you know even some of them that don't look that much different. But some of them are pretty drastic. It's kind of fun. I I just my problem is I'm not a locality person, so I get it for someone that likes locality stuff and then likes boas. It's definitely something cool to do. Uh, I'm trying to pull up this picture of uh, of this boa. But even though like rubber boas all look the same, and that's kind of my new direction I want to take is finding um, very locality specific stuff. Oh, that is a very dark litter of boas. That's awesome. But you can see that there is clear phenotypic difference there. Oh, yeah. That's also about motley, right? right? And that's going to add some dark to it. He said there was no motley in it. Really? Because that Uh, looks like motley on the tail here. And these circles down the back. I think the only other thing he said was in there was I can't find my and this striped tail that's got to be motley he may not think it's that that's got to be motley I see a handful of them that look like motley's to me yeah I mean this left tub that solid stripe down the tail with the blocks before it that looks he motley. said that there's also RLT don't Roswell ladder tail okay tail. yeah yeah that could be Roswell ladder tail it kind of has that same look I don't know. They're very dark, though. That's going to make some awesome, like, extremely black adults. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, you can see that there's, like, there's a dark, there's the dark ones, but then there's also, like, the dark one, like, the super dark ones. Yeah. That actually brings up something. I want to show you guys this boa real quick um, after he bites me a bunch of times or she. You said something about uh, rainbows all coming out looking the same. Look how dark this one came out. Oh yeah, well, and they, they within a litter you get the you know the reds and the oranges. Um, and I've I'm, never had one this dark. I've had a dark one before. Unfortunately, yeah. it's also a female, so I'll probably try this pair again and see if I can get a male. See, that's that's what I didn't understand with James saying that they all look the same. I'm sure that you could selectively breed your rainbows for different things. Like, I'm, oh, 100%. I'm sure you could. 
That's where the reds brighter, came from versus darker. the oranges or the yellows. Um, so, so I oversimplified it. It's patterns. so like with boas, obviously hypo looks hypo and, and jungle and all those drastically change pattern and color. And you can do that because, um, why did my brain just go blank? You know who I'm thinking of, Jason? Out West, rainbows. Does Dave Collins? Yeah. Dave Collins done this for decades. He has selectively bred and he has his own lines of, of, really cool patterns and all that. Um, so it is, but it's not, to me, it's just not as drastic as, you know, sun glow boa or IMG or Motley, right? Those are two on two totally different ends of the spectrum and easily noticeable. I don't know. It's, but there is, I mean, I, I like the red when it comes to rainbows. I like reds more than oranges. See, and I tend to lean towards the oranges myself. Yeah. Um, let's look through the chat real quick couple of things I wanted to go back to. Here we go. Uh, this is Lisa said, notice how we're talking about uh, the dwarf, like Hog Islands. Notice how the scrub community never stuck with the dwarf label on Tannenbar by the Tannenbars. Uh, that's, I mean, I think that's because the scrub community embraced that they were a completely different species, so they didn't have to call them dwarf scrubs. Gotcha. I, uh, yeah, it's just sense. dwarf gets good treat. Now I, I understand it with like retics, like some of those like super dwarf. I mean, yeah, they're, they're adult at seven feet or whatever. That's definitely this different than a 21 foot retic. Um, but again, when, when you're, like I said, with the hog islands, it's just very tricky. I, th- I think when someone hears dwarf, they may be expecting something different than what they may end up getting. Uh, especially when they're watching some sort of YouTube video on a, on a tuber who just goes, Hey, look at my new dwarf boa, my hog Island. And someone goes dwarf. Yeah. I'm gonna give me a small boa. And it ends up being five or six foot into them, you know, to a lot of people, five or six foot snake is a big snake. Obviously for folks that keep red tails like myself and Jason, a five foot boa is not a big snake. So that's why I'm always like, when I take, if I take a five foot or six foot boa somewhere that someone goes, look at that huge snake. I'm like, well, that's a relative term. Cause that's not what I think of a huge snake. I mean, I would say that the boa and the retic communities are probably very the same there, except yeah. the boa community just hasn't taken that second step that the retic community did. You know, there are dwarf retics like the what, Jampaya and stuff, which those are like, you know, 10, 12 feet as adults. <laughs> and then there's the super dwarfs, which are the really small ones. So the yeah. hogs are dwarfs. still a big snake. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a big snake, but compared to a mainland, it's yeah. dwarf. Well, and the thing over there is... I still is... hate the whole dwarf phraseology because dwarf implies a genetic mutation. These are more pygmoid or pygmy. Um, but that's my well, personal Well, and in the retics, they're also breeding them together. Whereas in boas, if someone has what we call dwarf, like some of these Central American type boas, the, the thing is to not breed them. No, you know, they don't want to breed them to the Colombian morphs. You know, it's not, they don't well, want. Well, there are some people who are very much about keeping the dwarf and super oh, yeah. dwarf lineages of retic pure, but it, it is definitely more, you know, and, and more and more it's being shown that those are actually completely different species. Yeah. So they're creating hybrids kind of the same way you've got green tree hybrids. Like green trees. Yeah. It's doing this, it's doing this designer thing, which for retics, I don't necessarily think is bad because smaller, more handleable, more manageable retics is absolutely a well, better thing, especially yeah, the hob- for the animals and for the hobby in yeah. general. But 
the there is still a problem with it that you know people make these 50% and then they breed two 50% together and sell those as 50%, but they're not doing any actual true selective breeding on those and maintaining them so that like, you know, from a 50% to a 50%, while all those offspring are technically 50% by the math, you're going to have that bell curve distribution. Some of those animals are going to get very well, and that's kind of the, the issue. Someone sells a hog island to somebody as a dwarf boa, it's a six foot boa that's handable. Someone sells a retic as a dwarf retic and it ends up 18 foot. <laughs> that's that's a huge issue because the, they get this dwarf retic and they feed it the way they would want to feed a retic, and I just want to watch it eat, and then it still gets 18 foot. Yeah, but I think we saw some of that discrepancy in size even with um, with the boas because you know, all the, the hypo was Central American, yeah, and um. And that was immediately bled, bred into a lot of Colombian stuff. And you'll still see pretty big difference in hypos. Well, but now you can see such a difference in like if it's Central American hypo now, like Sonoran, like that, that is definitely to me a dirtier, not, not I'm trying to sound bad, like, like if people like that look, but it, it's a dirtier hypo than what you see in Colombians now, right? A good looking Colombian well, hypo. Well, a Sonoran hypo doesn't look anything like what we could traditionally consider a hypo. Like it doesn't yeah. add any of that extra burgundy. Or well, because they start out so dark in general too. It's just a lighter snake. They get, you know, more yellow. Um, but in Colombians, they've really cleaned it up. It's it's a very, in some of them, it is a very clean look and very little speckling and stuff like that. But to my knowledge, there was never a hypo found in Colombian boas. I think that was all added in from Central American hypos. Um, like the Nicaraguan and Panamanian that did give you that, that more red to it. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite genes just because of how clean it looks, but I'm also one that likes the clean background where like, so it's weird. I like hog islands, but I don't like super, super speckly hog islands. Um, That's definitely a personal preference. There's people on both sides of that fence. There's people that want them really, really speckled. And then people that like the ones that have really been line bred to have very little. Yeah. I, I like the lighter, the orange looking with l- very little speckling hog islands. Um, going back over to the chat. So Jeff Frederick had a good point. So we talked about if you could only keep one and, and breed or keep whatever, what would it be? But he said, uh, what single species would you keep if you couldn't breed them? Does that change either one of y'all's answers if you couldn't breed them? Probably not for me because I think that um, a Brazilian rainbow can still make a really pretty display snake. Yes. You know, you're not, I know, you know, they're nocturnal. You don't see them out in the day a whole lot, but um, I don't know. They're just a beautiful, beautiful animal. Yeah, I think I might still stick with Alterna because mine have always been, you know, very active and willing to be out and about. Um, yeah, yeah, they're more active at night, but I still see them during the day and they've got a lot of personality to them. So I'd still be willing to have, you know, just a bunch of nice naturalistic, you know, basically like, fake rock cut style cages yeah. to have them in those just doing their thing and being able to watch their natural behavior and stuff. So I think it does change mine. I think if I can't breed them, if I'm not collecting and trying to do the morphs and see what I can make and this and that, I probably lean more into rubber boas. I, I would be okay with a room full of rubber boas. Um, Cause I'm trying to think of everything else I have, you know, I think my Indian sand boas are really cool and those would be a cool one to have just cause it's a bigger sand boa and they're so different, but I just, it's something about rubber boas. I, I really like them. So that's probably, it would change mine if I couldn't breed them. 
Oh, anyways. Da, da, da. So, any plans for y'all uh, this year getting adding anything to the collection? I know Travis is trying to like narrow down his collection, but yeah, I've I have been I have been more and more trying to shift the collection down a little bit and go more towards cage keeping. Um, about once a month, I go into the room and remap it out in my head as to how I would do things differently. Um, my last mental fit that I drew up plans for would be getting rid of all of the racks and even putting the ball pythons into cages. Um, yeah, but then you have to see them. Yeah, but I don't mind seeing them. <laughs> I might stop um, reading. Yeah, but that would that would get me that would with the space that I have in there that would put me down to sixteen cages. So that would be like a fifty. I think that's fifty-eight percent reduction in my my ball python collection. Hey, now if I, ball just, if I sold everything that was on Morph Market right now, that would get me more than halfway there. But you know, it wouldn't get me all the money that I need for all of the cages and lighting and everything. Um, plus, I've got some space in the other snake room that I want to outfit some more cages. So, what? So on Morph Market, what's your business name? A Splendid Guy. God damn it, I hate you. A-S-P-L-U-N-D-I-I. It's not that hard. He knows how to spell it by now. Come on now. <laughs> Sounds like an alternative to sugar. I, I That's thought, Splenda. I know. It's, okay, A-S-P-L-U-N-D-I-I. I-I. Oh. Oh, That's a plant? Yeah. yeah. What is up with your logo? I'm I'm gonna judge you right now. That's fine. Judge me. I don't I'm, care. I'm, pull, um, I'm pulling. It's, it's the it's the actual color scheme of the flower of the plant. What a nerd! Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I am a nerd. I'm pulling it up for that. That's his logo. Jeff Frederick sitting over there in the chat. Just look at that. That that's what he has, man. All the great work you can do with a logo, and that's what Travis has. That's what he came up with. It looks like a, it looks like a hey, bar. Look, my last one was a black and white picture of the flower, but it looks like like the, a bar that um, someone in the military would have on their uniform. Like it is. Let's see what Travis has on his. There's ball pythons. Yeah, that's, that's just ball python training. <laughs> Jeff said that Travis has never asked. I know. I'm asking for him at this point, Jeff. He, okay. The man needs some help. You know why I've never asked Jeff? Because Jeff is my friend, and I don't expect Jeff as my friend to just do shit for me. I consider Jeff a friend. He has offered. I've never said, hey, Jeff. I don't think I have. Okay, maybe I have once. But he's a nice guy. I know he is. And, he's, a great guy. and after seeing your logo, he's going to feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see what you've got. Ball pythons, ball pythons, ball pythons, and ball pythons. I just, I just sent you... Hey, there's your $58 one. Yeah, there's my $58 <laughs> one. And I hey, just sent you an image of the flower. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'm going to pull up, pull up the flower. What <laughs> is there a common name that we would know for this flower? 
it's one of the orchid flowering bladder warts, so no, probably not. Here it is. Bladder wart sounds horrible. White, purple, yellow, purple, yellow, purple, white. <laughs> Jeff says he does feel bad, and he said, you guys will talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is... I'm just saying, okay, I, I see the flower. I don't know why it's that amazing to you. But even so, if I look at your logo and that flower, I don't feel the connection. I mean, I get it. it it's color-ish similar. But... Okay, well, let me. God, let me look. Such a pain in the ass that you're going to sit here and critique me. <laughs> look at all these brown ball pythons you have for sale. Oh, look, this one's not brown. Just looks yeah, like. I've got, I've got a bunch of yellow ones, too. This yellow one just look, looks like it's covered in mites. What trade is that? Freeway Inchy Ouch. Pastel Pin. What, what gives it the speckling there? Is it the freeway? The pin. The pin. And the freeway. Yeah. I just sent you my old logo. Oh God, how bad is that? <laughs> that's, it's like it's like an in memoriam. Jesus Christ! Hold on. That's, <laughs> that's, this, like this poor flower. You just put a date underneath it when it died. You can't even. I I know that says genetics, but that is the worst font underneath that. Which is when I went with the much more basic ass font. <laughs> oh man. Mitch McClain says the current logo is better. Well, that wasn't a high bar for him to go over, Mitch. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is better. Uh, Jeff says Travis is focused on high contrast albinos and ball pythons. Uh, very much not brown snakes when he gets it right. <laughs> well, he didn't get it right a couple of times here because pretty uh, brown ass snakes. Yes, but see, those those are the basic ingredients to then make really high contrast. Snakes. I agree. This is the basic ass snakes. I do, I do like when, so I do like when you mix albino or like, that's why I like banana and ball pythons because it looks different. Like if I'm going to do a ball python morph, it's going to have to look different. Uh, Man, nobody likes albinos anymore though. It's weird. See, and I love albinos and if people don't like them, then they can go take a long walk up a short pier. What's I've like, always had pretty high contrast ones and I'll put them at my table at the shows and I can't even get $125 for them. See, I like albinos. I like bananas. I like pides because I can look at them and go, that's fucking different. Um, but they're just. I think pied blew everybody's mind when that first came out. I still love pied. I still think it's. Look, I've got. I'm going to try and get rid of two ball pythons this weekend, hopefully. Uh, but the one I'm keeping for sure is my banana pied. It's got the two traits that I like in a ball python, and I'm good. Um, but then I've got like a, a blade clown, which, don't get me wrong, it's kind of cool, but. Still a brown snake. Like it's now. I've also have one that I think is a waste of traits. It's a one another one trying to get rid of is a, a banana pastel. Like that just it just ruins the banana. It's all washed out, faded, and to me it's just not as I like crisp, clean colors. But I guess that's that's the awesome thing about this hobby is you can like so many people can like so many different things, and uh, and I'll shit on them if it's not the thing I like. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> so I just sent you two snakes. The first one is, you know, what you would call an ugly-ass brown snake. God, yeah, it but is. It's carrying, it's carrying the albino gene, and if I breed it into a candy, I get something like the second snake, where the contrast on that is just really right. amped up for the candy candido. Hold on, let me pull it up so everybody can see what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, the, 
that does nothing for me. Like, okay, that does it. But that's, like I said, that's the recipe component. Now go to the next one. See, that's cool. But yeah, see, but you need that dark thing to get to this brighter. I get it. There's, there's just so many dark like things dark like one. that. You would stop it, Jason. Gross. I mean, I, I like got a rack full of black sambos right here, so I tend to go for the dark. <laughs> yeah, stuff I was going to say, James, you, you, hey, you've got a black. I've got two of them. Russian. Yeah, what the hell are you talking about? You don't like black. Snakes. I do. Look, I don't. I don't tend to like black snakes. I do like black Russians because they're goofy ass looking snakes with the big old eyes on top of their black head. They're and they're a sambo, so they, I have to have them because it's like Pokemon. You got to catch them all. Uh, but this, you I mean, see, look, my, I got, my I, all black snake is just a black milk. See that's but see that's cooler to me than we and Katie's gonna hear this but we have a Mexican a black Mexican king to me is not cool it, it's fine but a black milk snake to me is cooler but I think it's cooler to me because no one fucking has them right everyone went and got king snakes but no one has black milk snakes and black milk snakes get bigger and they're cooler looking yeah. but and but that's that's why I went with the black milks is because it's. <laughs> I'm comfortable baby. getting to an indigo yeah. because I don't I don't feel that I can properly keep a dry mark up. They and while the too black much. milks are fairly active, they're nowhere near as active as a dry mark up. Yeah. So How big do they get? They six? can get six, seven feet. Yeah. Thick. They're a thick snake. Yeah. The problem with, with black uh with the black milks is that the color change. When some of you want to buy a black snake, they want it to be black when they buy it. But the problem is you buy a a baby black milk snake, they're not black. They're milk no, snake they're color. color. And I would I would I would love to get one and watch it go through. I bought my girl. That's what I was gonna say. I think that's old. awesome to watch. Yeah, I think it's awesome. To watch that and that's why I screen. like that's part of the reason I like my Candoya is because yeah. they change colors like nobody's business. Yeah. My Viper bows do too, and I didn't expect it to be as dramatic with them as it is. I would like to get another Viper Boa. And Yes, for anybody asking, I would definitely wear a glove with it because I don't feel like getting bit by a fucking viper boa. Or, I got bit yesterday by one. Yeah, see, fuck that. I'm not. There's no joy in that. I'm not doing that. I got tagged by my big female Candoya girl, and that was painful. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'll this arboreal snakes are not fun to get bitten by. So there was an article you posted, Travis, a few weeks back that was talking about uh, the strike speed of snakes versus their teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have that guy on the podcast in a few weeks. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited about talking about that one because that was a very interesting thing, seeing things like uh, the strike speed of like uh, like king snakes and stuff. Not really that. You know, they're just more of a gnaw. They go up and start biting and chewing versus ambush predators like boas and pythons, and their teeth were much different than the teeth of – so I'm really interested in talking about that. Uh, Jeff said hog – yeah, we talked about this earlier, Jeff, about how hog islands fire up uh, like cresteds. And so do uh, rainbow boas. They do the same thing. So like every time you want to show them to somebody, they look like absolute dog shit. Just the same way as someone someone goes to a show and looks at crested geckos on a table and they all look like <laughs> dog shit because none of them are fired up at the show. You'll often hear it called white walls with rainbow boas because at yeah. night they get their side, the white comes up real high. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pain in the butt. But they are pretty. Um. So many ball pythons, Travis. Just all right. That's that's all I've got right now. You know, maybe in two hundred and something days, I'll have sixty odd, sixty odd candoya for you. No, I got, I got. I am oddly excited for that. 
Now, hold on. I'm, I'm going to pull up one of the snakes you have for sale, and you're going to have to explain this one to me. All right, because okay. the price and the look, I don't fucking get it. That's a normal-ass ball python, man. That is that is not a $650 ball python. How? If I, I you know, I, there's an entirely good possibility that I'm higher than normal on that one, but Trojan is... He has free shipping, that's why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Trojan is, it's a... It's an incomplete dominant uh, hypomelanin. So if I had that girl next to a normal, you would be able to see the difference between her. It's almost like a super dark caramel. I call BS. It's called Trojan because it just hides inside the ball python and makes it look normal, like inside of a Trojan horse. That's all it's got to be because that is a ball python. That's that's why I don't like you ball python people. That, you know, and she's had for clown, So It's a fucking normal ass ball python. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I just, mm. beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but y'all be holding some ugly ass snakes. Take my boas. Like I said, this is the stuff that I'm moving on because it is byproduct for the things that I was trying to make for myself or is no longer useful in my projects because the projects have moved to the next level. So, so th- that was my problem with uh, with the bows I bred last year and, and finding out that my male is het anery and I don't like anery. But I ended up with a couple of babies who were like, well, I got to keep them because all these genes are in that snake. So I do have one that's jungle ghost het albino. I'm like, she's going to grow up to be gray. I'm like, eh, and, and really dark and pretty black. I'm like, but she's got all the genes I need in her, so I got to keep her. You were really trying to find somebody that was going to tell you those weren't Henry's too. <laughs> I fucking knew they were. As soon as I walked in and saw them in there, I'm like, fucking. But like, I messaged the dude. I was like, hey, do you have Henry in your collection? Nope. I was like, yep, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> one of those adults has had Henry. Have fun finding out which one it is. I think there's a lot of that probably still floating around because a lot of, you know, there were people were selling hats as just normals yeah wholesaling them and well everybody trying to make snows at one point and so there were a whole bunch of like with corn snakes you can't buy a normal corn snake there are no normals you you can you can you could get a normal corn snake from justin yeah mostly because he literally picked up normal corn snakes where he lived and bred them yeah but for the most part, you cannot get a normal damn corn snake. It's it's hit for nine hundred dents. Like you could just go to PetSmart and get two random corn snakes and breed them together and end up with three or four different morphs from them. It would not surprise me. The fun thing just I get to bag. yeah. The fun thing I get to suffer in three years or so is that male who's head annery. I have his sister, a year younger sister, who's also a possible head albino. But now I also know who is also a possible het annery. So uh, she is either possible het annery, possible het albino, or possible het snow, or none of the above. So I get to spend four or five years raising that up to find out what it is in a few years. So. Or you can hope boas. that Ben gets tests for boas and you could send a shed in. That is but true. I don't know where Ben is on that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it, but if you send him sheds now, he'll be able to build that database. <laughs> yeah. So shed, send him some anneries. I've got, I've got annery sheds. I can send him that. But yeah, so that's that's the fun thing with that. In a few years, is that project. Right now, I've just got I've got two adult females that I'm trying to find out if they're head albino. That's that's what I was more surprised that it was head annery because like I I would be more willing to bet there's way more head albino boas out there. 
than there are het annery boas out there. Um, because you don't really see anneries that much. That, that gene is kind of just like, unless it makes snows, there's not a ton of annery stuff out there. I think people move towards IMG, which I think is a cool gene in certain cases, but IMG is a shit gene, I feel like, to stack up with stuff. Because it's, it's going to be a black snake, and you're just going to have a bunch of genes in a black snake. Because it'll always win, yeah. I think it's always going to eventually take over. So that's why if I ever do IMG, it's going to be in an albino project. So I can actually see what's lying underneath a lot of that. Um, so anyways, so yeah, I've got a, a motley pos head. Well, she's supposed to be motley head albino female. I've got her hooked up to a, a super sun glow male that I produced, which I'm excited that if one of these males take, they will be the first thing I've produced from something I produced. Uh, That's a really cool feeling. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Like, Last year, I produced the the babies from a male that I bought. And I, I tried the male that I had, but he didn't do anything. And so we'll see what happens. But I, I'm looking forward to that. And I also, I, I bit the bullet. I've, I've had this one male for a couple years now. He's a sun glow. Uh, but I always just kept him as a pet because he had bug eyes when he was born. Two bug eyes because albino gene does that. We've talked on here before with Travis about that. It happens. And I was like, I'm not going to breed him. I'm not going to breed him. But knowing that it's not a genetic thing right they're not going to pass on bug eyes it's not a, an inheritable trait it is something that can happen in albinos but they can happen in any albino litter i was like you know what let's try it so i am going to try him this he is with a female and he's trying we'll see what happens now look if the whole litter comes out with bug eyes i'm completely wrong and i'm fucked but uh unfortunately he is the prettiest super sun glow i have he was when he was born with his big ass eyes i knew he would so we'll see what happens that's always the case isn't it yes uh, that was the best looking jungle that was born out of this litter this year had a kink in its neck. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He went off to a friend for free as a pet. Like, here you go. You can have them. So I, I knew I saw the litter when it was born. I was like, oh man, that's pretty. And, and then my daughter goes, what's wrong with his neck? I'm like motherfucker. Um, Jeff says, Travis going to do the DNA test for the yellow belly complex in any of his snakes. You going to Travis? I didn't know. He don't care. Have you done any testing? Um, before Ben was with Morph Market and Clutch, I did some sex testing. I had him sex test Kukri's and uh, my Ranthiophis. He also asked me for the Alterna because he had heard that Alterna behaved weirdly with his test and he wanted um, hmm. some known animals. So I sent him mine, and it turned out that they were weird. And he has since refined the test so that they work better with Alterna. How many um, species can he do the gender test with? He can do the gender test with um, colubrids. Uh, I sent him the beak snakes and the kukri because they're outside the normal colubrid, you know, the true colubrid umbrella, especially the beak snakes, because that African lineage is very different. Um, and Ben told me, he's like, these might not work. Uh, they worked fine for the Kukri, and he said that he was fairly confident that my Ranthiophis were a 1.1, and, you know, to let him know if anything happened, and then a year later, two years later, I got a clutch of eggs from that pair, so it did end up being 
Correct. As long as you had the right ones. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff wanted to see some pictures of some of these things I was talking about. So let me, I'm going to share my screen. I pulled up all the pictures of this litter. And I'll go through them real quick. Some of them I've sold. To, I'll show you the two holdbacks. These, again, these were born in May, so they look a little different now, but not drastically different. Um, blah, 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 blah. It'll come up, maybe, possibly. Let's try this. Bam, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, this, this litter was a jungle hypo, possible head albino, to a snow female. Now, I can go back and tell you, it's a jungle hypo, 100% head annery, not head albino at all. Uh, but this is what I got from This was a, a hypo annery. Uh, so a, a ghost, for those who don't know, it was a, it was a ghost head call. I had possible jungle, but I'm not leaning towards it being jungle, just based on some of the markers. This little guy I still have, he's got kind of goofy lip, but that's about it. He's a, a kind of a cool looking one. He's a little darker, more, he's darker than what I like, but annery jungle, definitely jungle. You can tell through some of the pattern. Uh, this is, yeah, this is my holdback. Hypo Annery Het Albino Post Jungle, but she's a jungle. She's, I'd say jungle on yeah. that one. So I, I kept her. She, I actually posted a picture of her the other day, I think, on on Instagram. Uh, she's she's looking nice. Uh, just some other Hypo Anneries. This one just a hypo. Uh, some of them were a little darker, but another hypo. This is my other holdback. Uh. He's hypo jungle, head albino, head annery. So in a couple of years, he will go back to that snow and I will finally make uh, uh, moon glows, which I think that was my favorite out, out of your litter. I freaking love this one, uh, but I cannot wait to wait to make moon glows. I remember seeing the first moon glow in Daytona and just thinking that's freaking amazing, even though, yeah, it's a white snake. I get it. It's a white snake and it's white on white and it's not. But I remember I remember seeing it and I'm thinking, man, I'll never be able to afford that. And in a couple of years, I'll be able to make it. And I could actually make jungle moon glows out of this so that that to me is really cool this one also i loved if you look at the pattern on it look on the sides like normally you have those little diamonds on the sides there were straight vertical lines down the side pattern uh which is the only one in the entire litter that looked like that so that was fun and then you get to annery just freaking black and gray black and gray did both the parents have hypo nope just the uh dad the mom is just a snow okay um, just more Annery. This that's you know, a cool jungle. Yeah, this was a cool jungle. This one, uh, I was possibly gonna hold back. You see all this white here on the tail, and then uh, I think one of my listeners bought this one. Um, I think James Barry, I think ended up with this one. Uh, it was it's I whenever I took it to shows, I always priced it pretty high. I was like, I don't really want to sell it, and then I did. And then this is the one with the kink neck which had this cool jungle pattern down the back and all. And then you can see the kink back here in the back of the neck. He eats fine. He's wonderful. It just unfortunately was the one messed up one. I was like, well, of course it is. But yeah, I am, I'm looking forward to this guy. This, this, this holdback males is I'm super excited about. Uh, just the, the look, I, that's why I love hypo. It's like even you go through looking at hypos and jungles, the, the they're tricky. For someone who doesn't is not used to them, they are incomplete dominant traits. So, for anybody that's not a breeder, incomplete dominant traits, um, they don't work the regular rec dominant recessive. You don't. It's not I have this or that. They work like on a sliding scale of how it can look, which is why jungle is a tricky a tricky trait in boas.
because there's so many jungles that there's two different looks to jungle. There's the one like this where the pattern's all funky, which I like. But man, there's so many people that label jungles and they just look like normal ass boas. You seen that? Like you know, what I'm talking about Jason. Which is just this is a jungle. I'm like, sure it is. Yeah, and that's been a transition. I feel like because when um when I first started seeing jungles, they were very very extreme. In fact, um, let me grab this book. So yeah, incomplete dominant traits. You uh you have one you option. Guys remember this? Uh, oh, sorry. Here, gonna, you have the the normal option for how it's going to look. You have the trait. And then when you bring them together, you get a third complete different option. Uh, and so for, for so long in the hobby, they were called co-dominant. And I know Travis loves that because he loves when people get genetics wrong. Uh, but they were called co-dominant. Co-dominant does not work. Co-dominant is you have one trait, you have the other trait, and you mix them. And you have both traits together at the same time, which is not what we had, especially with hypos, right? You had normals and then hypos. Um, and it definitely looks different. It's not – and you get super hypos, which are – I know it's another thing where like if you're a geneticist, the idea of the word super can be annoying because really what we mean is homozygous, but uh, fuck it. And then those can be hard to differentiate from just a really nice uh, hypo. So that's why I asked if both ears had hypo because that one, if you would have told me that was a super, I would have believed that. Yeah, and I think it's the jungle, which really cleans it up. Which is doing it, yeah. And also the the male, that male I picked from the breeder, well, (laughs) that male I picked from the breeder is a female. So that male has been a fiasco. It was supposed to be a female. I got it. And it had honey beans. So I was like, well, shit, it's not a female. And the guy, the guy ended up making it right. He, he gave me some money back. I ended up buying the female the next year out of the same litter for a pretty good price. But he's super clean. That's why I told him, I said, yeah, I know it's a male, but I'm going to keep it. I, it had the jungle pattern and hypo, and it's very clean background. And so this one definitely took more from the dad on that. You guys notice that the males in the litters, you, it seems like the males are always nicer looking. Like the nicest one's always a male. Which is cool with me because I can breed them to more females. Like that's true. It works, but I I would rather have a gene. I don't know how y'all feel. Like Travis got the ball pythons and and all that, but how you feel? I'd rather have the gene powerhouse in a male because it allows me to do much more with it than if it's in a female. Especially when it comes to boas, because if I breed breed that female boa, I'm it's two years out from being able to try it again with something else. Yeah, that's a good point. So I was gonna. This is the first. Let me get that up. Camera. That's the first time I ever saw a picture of a jungle. And I remember That's being cool. very, they were all very, very dramatic like that. Um, I feel like all the first ones I saw offered and posted on the King Snake forums and stuff. Well, because it used to be very, the, those, like the lines on the outside of the pattern, the, on the outside of the red used to be very defined. Like they used to have a, a, a kind of a border to them. Yeah. Like somebody bordered it with a Sharpie almost. Yeah. And that was a lot of the jungles. Um, but then, like I said, on my end, I like those jungles that because I like to mix it with hypo because I like to be super light and then have that super fucked up pattern where it basically turns into a stripe, but a jagged stripe down the back. Um, and that's the look I go for. But again, you see some that I guess lean more towards that the way they used to look, but it's like a regular pattern with kind of that line around the outside of the saddles. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't I don't see it. I don't know. That's that's another thing. It's, it's tricky to sell jungles. And it could be that back then people didn't sell those low expression ones as jungle because they didn't know until their offspring showed jungle traits i mean i don't really know how that worked or how that came about yeah i would guess that that may be some of it but some of it may also be you know basically the same thing that you see with like pastel and ball pythons where if you work to maintain a really nice clean good looking jungle 
then you get those really nice, clean, good-looking jungles. But if your goal is just to breed jungles or breed whatever the fuck you have yeah. just because you have it, then you start just breeding shit, and you end up with shitty-looking jungles and shitty-looking pastels. Which I feel like happens with any new morph because they're just trying to get it into as many females as possible without being real selective until yeah. there's enough of them, and then people start refining that. Like, look at... um how much difference you can have in a in a cow albino? I was about to, well, I was about to say I think cow cow albinos got shit on for so long, but they were the first albinos, so everybody was like, breed that motherfucker to everything, and they did, and yeah. it's fine because we we know that albino can hide ugly in a in a boa. It can it can hide a lot of ugly, um, but but then look at like uh, Tom Burke, what he refined with the lipstick line albino. Yeah. Well, I mean, and those are just amazing. The work he did with that. Well, and everybody treated Sharp like it was so much more amazing than Call. But the problem was when Sharp came in, it had a high price point, so people weren't buying a Sharp at however much, and then breeding it to a cheap ass ugly boa. They they were really line breeding those from the get go. So that's that's kind of why I like Call, and that's why everything I do is Call. Is my my goal is to breed the best looking Call Sun Glows, um, and go look. It's not the fact that it's a Call and that albino gene is shit. It's that people are shit and they, they bred it to ugly looking snakes. Just wasn't refined. What's what's interesting about the sharp albino, when that first came in, uh, Brian Sharp had bred that to a cow yeah. and got all double heads basically. And so he kind of pushed off that project. Like he never actually produced sharp albinos from what I understand. But because that first sharp albino, the wild caught one was bred to a cow, there is always the possibility that a sharp albino out there has cow in it. Oh, that's don't 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 say that. That's horrifying. Yeah, I uh, Ben and I talked about that on one of the times that he had me on. Yeah, that's it's weird, right? To think, I mean, it's it's probably very few at this point, but it's there's always that chance. Well, that's like uh, sandboas. There's people out there that are producing sandboas that have paradox albino and the other in the bell albino and the same snake. I'm like, stop doing that. Please don't do that. Yep. But they they go for a look from that, and and you can kind of I've seen some where they've done that. The speckling that extra bright white spot. Yeah. Yeah. They have that, the paradox kind of speckling in it, but it's white. It's not black. It's, it's, it's odd. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for Travis um, regarding the albinos. You told me once that uh, in a certain species, there can only be one type of T negative. Am I remembering mm-hmm. that correctly? So that would mean that you're saying that the sharp is, pro- is a T positive. Uh, is sharp the one that's, um, Allelic to Boa Woman, mm-hmm. then yes, it is likely T positive. But that's again, I've, I've I've never had my hands on both of them. I've always and wondered that. Been able to look uh, at them, like I, if I had my hands on both of them, I might be able to tell you a little bit more definitively. But one of them is definitely a T positive. They do have a little darker eyes. They are still red. Okay. Um, but I've also seen in a lot of different, now that there's more and more T positives popping up, there's a, seems to be a huge variation in the amount of, of melanin that they're still getting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that chain's broken somewhere, but some are very, very brown. Some are still very yellow. So I just wondered if that's one that's, um, that is a T positive, but just very low it, on the spectrum. It maybe probably is, but you know, like as we see with, uh, candy and albino and ball pythons. That's a T positive and a T negative. So. Okay. So it's like, be similar. But with like VPI, VPI albino, which is our, the T positive, it's, it's 
definitely different look than the other two. Like it, you look at them and sometimes when people put the word albino next to it, you look at it and go, how the hell is that albino? Because that's not the way we tend to view an albino. We didn't tend to view it yellow and white or red and white. And yeah. Everything that we call a T positive albino is actually a hypobelanistic. And what most of the people call hypomelanistic is actually hypopigmentation, at least in ball pythons. Like the hypo ball python, it's not a hypomelanistic ball python. It's a hypopigmented ball python because both, both the gold and the black are lightened in those ball pythons. But in lavender, candy, caramel, ultramel, all of those, it's just the melanin that's being taken down from the wild type level of melanin. The xanthans are the same. So those animals are all hypomelanistic. But again, because of the because of the very, very early people naming these things in the most ridiculous and wrong ways possible, because those people didn't even have a grasp of high school level genetics. <laughs> we have things established that just are not scientifically accurate. I could tell this is a little bit of a peppy for you. <laughs> <clears throat> well, and I've had to have these, I've had too many of these conversations of like, you know, the, yeah. you know, well, because of this, you know, it's got this gene that's hidden, just like the hidden gene Woma gene was hidden. It's like, no, there is no hidden gene in hidden gene Woma. <laughs> There's not, there never was. It's simply a name. <laughs> so I just wanted to- Yeah. It's a name and it's a bad name but it was named by somebody who didn't understand genetics at all. You can't have hidden genes. They're not hidden. I just want to throw these pictures up real quick because Jeff had asked earlier about seeing the sun glow. I don't have current adult pictures of my sun glows, but I do have when they were babies when I decided, hey, these are the two that I'm keeping. And so I was going to show a picture of what they look like here. Uh, So yes, they're a little brighter here, but they're still actually pretty bright. But uh, these are my two holdbacks. This was the one on the left uh, is the one I've tried the past two years. We're going to see what he does. The one on the right is the one that had bug eyes. And you can see how like light, but the, it's very, very red and it looks very different. Um, but yeah. My, Did they lose any contrast or are they still pretty high colored like that? They're still pretty high colored. Um, nice. And that is kind of my are goal. Yeah. Because those look great. Yeah. These are call. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What does an albino call look like next to a sun glow? Do you have that? Uh, I don't have one, but I can find one. Give me a second. They're not as orange. The hypo adds a lot of that. They're usually more yellow. Unless yeah. it's something like the lipstick that was refined to increase that red. Um, here we go. This is a it's kind of an uglier one, but this one will work. Um, put it up on the screen. And this is from Morph Market, but there's a and this one's gonna be a little dirtier as it gets older. I can just tell by looking at the pattern in between the saddles. But this is a probably a pretty good version of an albino call. Um, it will, depending on how it was bred, it may lighten up. Now this, the lipstick ones I think tend to hold their red and oranges as they get older. See, like when I when when you had yours up, mm-hmm. I feel like the body banding was significantly redder on yours because those were sun glows. Yeah, so they're hypo albinos. Hypo albinos. And that's another thing. So 
I think hypomelanistic is probably the right term when used for boas because it definitely does reduce the melanin, but it's also a pattern mutation. Like it's, it, it is a color mutation, but there is definitely a pattern change in a hypo versus a regular. Those saddles become more bow tie shaped. Um, you tend to get a little less striping in the tail every now and then. Um, there's definitely something do, pattern. Do sharp sun glows look the same as the call sun glows? Yeah. People will tell you they're prettier, but I, again, I think that's all depends on who bred the call. Um, so that again, that's my goal is to be able to produce, uh, be able to produce this all the time, always nice and bright and pretty, and uh, and keep that throughout. Like I said, my adult, I think I've got. Uh, da, 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 let's see, let me see all my pictures on my Facebook. Uh, here's a picture of just his tail right now, but you can still see there's a lot of orange there. Like it yeah, is when not you first faded. posted that, I thought you were breeding albino or breeding ball pythons. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's my sunglow male's tail on a on a motley female. But you can see, he's still got a ton of orange. Hasn't faded. He's I don't know four years old now. Um, he's still got a lot of cream color in the background. He hasn't faded there. Um, and that's the look I go for because everybody when they picture older uh, call albinos and older sunglow call sunglows is they picture them faded. And again, it's just because they bred them to ugly ass snakes, and that shit happens. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm I'm moving towards, and so I'm looking forward to that. I think everybody needs to have, if you're gonna breed, I think you need to breed for something, not just for animals. That drives me nuts. Again, it drives me nuts, especially in boas, because that's that's the main place I come from. I can look at a at an albino, and I can look at a snow and tell you, yeah, that's not a good looking one. Like it again, albino covers a lot of ugly shit. And it, but you can see it when it comes out. Look, the snow that I have, I'm not going to lie. I bought her because she was an adult snow and I needed a breeding snow. And when I got her, I could tell if she wasn't a snow, she'd be a not so great looking normal boa. And I could see that in the offspring. So that one good, the two good holdbacks that I have were two of the best ones. And they definitely took after their dad. He cleaned up the pattern. He got rid of all the speckling that I definitely know the mom has underneath all of that white snow color. Um, and so, so you wanted a snow so you could prove out the annery. Yeah, that's exactly why I wanted to make sure you use annery. Oh fuck! I am. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm so looking forward to in a couple of years of being able to produce I, because he is had annery. I'm so much closer to being able to produce uh, uh, my own snows and stuff. So I'm excited about that uh, to make my own snows. Again, that was a snake when I got into boas. That was not an obtainable thing, right? No, it wasn't. Yeah, that was. And when I saw moon glows, that was another like I I can't do that. It was like ten thousand, twelve thousand, fifteen thousand dollars for some some of those for a single snake. I, again, I remember the first moon glow was not for sale. It was on a table. I even remember it was in Daytona. I remember seeing it, and uh, to be able to do that myself, oh, cannot wait. That's cool. Uh, Jeff said, "Does the does that also mean that ball python T negative albino is not actually T negative, or that the candy is T negative too, or maybe just a freaky scenario with T positive?" That's all you, Travis. That's a you question. No, in ball pythons, the the candy is T positive, but the albino is definitively T negative. We know that because of the actual gene has been sequenced. It is the tyrosinase gene. Old tyrosinase. Um, but it is it is possible to have mutations to tyrosinase that are still semi-functional and produce low levels of melanin. 
I just Idiot. learned that I pronounced that wrong all these years. How are you saying Tyrosinase? I've always said Tyrosinase. <laughs> Tyrosinase. Because that's what, when I did the, you know, the Google Translate thing where it t- tells you how to pronounce something, yeah. that's what it told me years ago. So many syllables in there. <laughs> Sounds fancier though. It does, yeah. Uh, I, posted this, it. <laughs> I posted this the other day on my on my Instagram, but this is my my holdback female uh, almost a year later, uh, six months or so later. Still very clean background. And that's that's what I go for in boas. And again, that's that's why a lot of the, the dwarf boas don't do it for me because they are a lot more speckly and uh, a lot busier than super clean Colombians. It's but, true. There's a lot of color that you can get in some of them, though. It's pretty pretty neat. It is. It is. Well, and a lot of that is those um, oh, Iridia fours that give you that that rainbow color, like you get in rainbow boas. A lot of those dwarf boa species have tend to have a lot of those Iridia fours, and you can see that they shine really well in the sun, especially the darker ones. Yeah, I've always um, I, I kick myself to this day for never getting Corn Island boas that get the peaches in them and the olive greens and yeah. I just, you can't find it for sale. And there was always one of those things that I was going to wait and get later. And now that I really want them, they're just, there's a couple people out there that have them, but I don't even know of anybody who's breeding them right now. Hmm. Travis, here's another one. How does the T positive, T negative allele relationship work in Candinos? Um, since it's the same gene. I guess. That's what makes them allelic. It's gotcha. just, it's a, it's a non-functional copy and a semi-functional copy. So does that mean one covers the other? By being not, maybe not cover, but one, one you see and the other one is just there? Yeah. That that's working? Okay. Uh, Jeff says, Ghost is such a cool mutation combination and colubrids. Shame about boas. Uh, it's just the, the anery. They, they get so much darker with age and you can't, can't help that. That it just happens. But I mean, you can, you can, that's why hypo, you mix hypo into it, mix jungle into it or hypo there, but you get jungle into it and it keeps it a little lighter, longer, uh, down the line. That's the fun with genetics. I, I enjoy the genetics of this stuff. Um, yeah, so do I. I mean, like I said, that's why I play with ball pythons is just for the genetic, the genetic fun factor of it. But anywho, um, it definitely leads to that potato chip thing though, where you always need more, right? You can't have just one. It's, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, run through some of the things that were over on our Facebook page this week because uh, Travis got really excited and posted about 7 trillion things. Uh, I just I came across a whole bunch of cool stuff this week. Jason Creek Moore posted this. Let's see. It's a Komodo at the Toronto Zoo. Komodo dragons are always cool. I want to see one of these in person so bad. Not the Komodo. I do. I've seen those. Nathan Holcomb posted a video of someone fork feeding like worms or whatever to a tuatara. That's cool. I want to see a tuatara in person. They're they're mini dinosaurs almost. I mean they, they they've been around for forever, and they're not lizards, even though they look like lizards. They're so cool. Are there any on display anywhere in the U.S.? I think somewhere someone I, I want to say someone has them. I don't yeah. know where. I someone reproduced them, didn't they? Yeah, I want to say San Diego. Hmm. You know who would know? Jewlander. Yeah, yeah. So that that is a dream species I want to see. What the hell is the fuck? Is that a croc? That is a crocodile. Holy shit! Nathan posted this. Let's see. What? Let me see if I can. Why is my mouse not? Want, okay, calm down. 
See if it tells me where it's at. It's got to be it's, uh, in Kimberly. So, Jesus Christ. We just thought everything else wanted to kill you in Australia. Now the crocodiles have learned how to ambush from above. It's fucking horrible. So say how big that one is. Um, let's see. I mean, it looks fairly mature. See, lots of questions about swimming safety and what seasons wanted to point out. It doesn't say, it doesn't say how big it is. It's big enough to not want to have that above you if you're wandering around in the Kimberley region of Australia. It's like what I learned that Komodo dragons can climb trees until they're like four feet long. Could you imagine a four foot long lizard above you? No, thank you. Uh, well, I mean, look at croc monitors. They can fucking do it with full grown. Yeah. Uh, Travis, he posted this one about armored dinosaurs with huge bony knobs. Uh, that's that, that. You know what? I think you posted that, and that's why we've been getting so many porn posts in our Facebook group this week. You posted about huge bo- hey, bony knobs. I'm, I admit it's not my fault. <laughs> huge. You need to you need to moderate your members to join. I know. Got to watch out for being pummeled by huge bony knobs. Um, <laughs> Reptilandia had beta lizard babies born. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Jeff says that San Diego does have two Ataras. So. Hmm. I need to go there then. I need to go there too. This video posted all over the fucking Facebook and it was annoying. Of this guy on a yeah, subway with his boa right. and then it, the heading, the thing always said his venomous pet snake. Just so many things in this video made me cringe. Um, Article's a bit silly, but two to fourth. Oh, this is about the uh, uh, that island, Snake Island. Snake island. Or two to four thousand golden lancehead vipers on it. You just thought Australia was scary. Fuck that. Every step, like at that point, every step is going to be near a snake. Yes, but you're not allowed on that island. How big's the island? Uh, let's see if it says here. It's not huge. A uh, hundred. It's a hundred acres. acres. So, what kind of food source supports those? Got to be birds. It's got to be a large number of migratory birds. Yeah, but when are the birds going to learn to stop going there? <laughs> no time soon, apparently. Oh. Um, Travis, when you're trying to enjoy the movie, but they won't stop showing snakes. I do this all the time. The worst is... Uh, yes, you do. Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid. God, I'm horrible about that. because Naked and Afraid has uh, so much B-roll of snakes from around the world, and they never fucking match it up to where they are in the world. I'm like, guys, come on. Just make a folder on your fucking computers of, we took this B-roll in Africa. And when you're filming an episode in South America, don't use any of the B-roll from Africa. Do you remember the um, the second Rambo when he's you know in Cambodia and there's a, a boa climbing on the branch next to his head? It wasn't until much later watching Indiana Jones that I realized they're all fucking legless lizards. Yeah, most of them are. When he's in when he's in the in Egypt and he's in there and he goes, "Why does it got to be snakes?" I'm like, "Because it's not." There's like three berms and the rest are all giant European legless lizards. Wasn't there a bunch of um? Garter snakes in there too. I that, think that was. I'm gonna have to watch the, that again. Now. I think that was in the second one. There was garter. It's yeah. It's well. The second one's also where they cut open what has to have been a retic or a Burmese python, and live babies come wiggling out of it. That look like eels. Yeah. Uh, I was reading a book. Um, this was a couple years ago, but it was uh, in the book. It talks up the guys in the Amazon and finds um, anaconda eggs. <laughs> I wrote them a scathing review. <laughs> nice, the, the old anaconda. Because that's an easy thing to re- to look up. Yeah, but, you know? but but why do but why do that? Why put effort into that? 
Yeah, why actually try? If you're going to write a book, don't you think you should do some research? Nah, it's a fictional book anyways. Fuck it, we can make it all fake. (laughs) Like, nobody's going to the Amazon to fact check me. (laughs) No, but you can go to the pet store to fact check that one. It's Yeah. uh, I like this one, Travis. Your ancestors hunted mammoths with a spear. You can walk past a goose on the sidewalk. No, you fucking can't. Geese are horrible. I'd rather take on the mammoth. I've taken on many of a goose, and I hate almost all of them, shy of... Egyptian geese. Egyptian geese are the only geese that I've ever found that were nice. Geeses? Geese. Geese. Did you really just say geeses? No. Okay. I, <laughs> I heard geeses and I was. Yes, I said geeses. The, the plural plural of geese. If you have more than one group of geese, it's geeses. Uh, what is this you posted, Travis? Is that an amphiuma? Salamander. Sal- that is a long ass salamander. Yeah. <laughs> that's like 60 percent tail <laughs> you, wow. you what the you wonder what the fucking purpose of that is like the amount of energy that it takes to have that tail you can have energy to have it and what and benefit drag it around and what benefit does it have uh cretaceous turtle from madagascar had adaptations for suction feeding Kind of like, I guess, like a Matamata, like the way Matamata is just... Yeah, but the thing that's different about this is it's a family of... So, like, the Matamatas and the soft-shelled turtles and stuff, they're all related to one another. These suction mouth turtles are completely unrelated to any of those. Yeah, it's so these, are, these are more These are more like the lineage that gave rise to things like red-eared slackers and stuff. Yeah, it's Madagascar. It's a weird-ass place. Known. Uh, scientists finally know how an ancient reptile lived with such an absurdly long neck. Did you read? What was that one about, Travis? I didn't get a chance to read it. I mean, it's basically Just what that it, it says. So okay. these were these were uh, a species. They were never really quite sure how they operated. Um, Just drug their head around on the ground. <laughs> well, yeah, they didn't know if they were terrestrial or aquatic or anything like that. Um. Because, like, basically their body is essentially built like a lizard, kind of. But then they've got this obnoxious neck. So, you know, basically the question was, like, are these giraffe lizards? Or are these, you know, like... Was this a small species? Salamanders with crazy necks. And what they ended up doing was um, they did micro-CT scanning on them. And what they learned through that allowed them to reconstruct the skulls for these, which are mostly very crushed and uh, reconstruct them in a more accurate way. And they have what appears to be um, teeth specialized for aquatic feeding. So they, they think that these were probably shallow lagoon type animals. Interesting. And for anybody listening, the picture looks like, I mean, I would say that neck's got to be three to four times the length of the body. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, the neck makes up 70% of the length of the body. Well, it's interesting because it's almost like – so one of my favorite stats is uh, – and I'm, maybe one of y'all know this, but how many how many vertebrae are in the neck of a giraffe? Same as I a human, this. right? Yeah, same as a human, a seven. And right? it's the same with these guys. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool just to look at that. like <laughs> Just extended bones to make this work. Uh, Australian lungfish has biggest genome ever sequenced. Well, hey, Jeff has a good point about the, the tail. tail. I saw that. Mm-hmm. He said he bets that the long-tailed salamander lived in a climate with an extended hibernation period. So storage, energy storage, a lot like a you know like a fat tail gecko or something like that. But in a that would actually make a lot of sense in a salamander. 
Uh, so this is always misleading when it says something with a big genome because no, this is the biggest genome. This is the largest genome in terms of but, the number of bases in chromosomes. No, I get it, but still, but you've got to. I imagine like seventy percent of that genome is probably useless. It's probably a lot of co- probably, probably a lot yes, of but I copies. Fifty percent of our genome is useless. Oh, I know. And these guys' genome is like twice the size of ours. Damn. Just. It's a weird thing. I don't. I don't think people understand how much of our DNA doesn't do shit. Like we're always like DNA is super important. And you're, you really should be like some of your DNA is super important. Some of it is just there because millions of years of evolution. We just made extra copies of shit that we didn't need. Well, it's not just extra copies of stuff. You, we've got things that are basically old dead viruses. Yeah. They don't do anything anymore. They're just stuck there. So they are mostly in the, I mean, basically that's what, you know, you've got introns and exons. That's all your introns yeah. are. Is They're the pieces of like old viruses and stuff that you actually have to splice out and stitch together. To make a protein, yeah. The DNA to get rid of those old virus parts to actually make the gene. Uh, this one's interesting. First fossil feather ever found belonged to an archaeopteryx. I, that's another thing that people need to realize how many dinosaurs had fucking feathers. Just so many dinosaurs had feathers. But that was the first one that they were able to actually say this was, in fact, a feathered dinosaur, right? Wasn't that the Archaeopteryx? Uh, no, this was the one that it was, it, it was described as the first bird. Um, and this feather was actually found before the holotype of Archaeopteryx was found. Gotcha. So... It, they didn't know for sure that this feather was tr- an Archaeopteryx feather until recently. That makes sense. Gotcha. They were able, again, this was another one where they, they did CT scanning on it. But and uh, were able to identify it against the feathers of the actual Archaeopteryx holotype and show that they are the same. Well, and if you mix the dinosaur DNA it's with frog really DNA, cool. they, don't, they don't grow feathers. You know, that's what Jurassic Park says. If you mix them with frogs, that's why. Actually, I, Jurassic Park didn't, the original Jurassic no, Park the, didn't address that. The new one did. I remember the new one, they said that the reason they didn't have feathers was because they were mixed with frog DNA. The frog DNA? I was like, okay. wait, wait, try to cover your ass 25 years 20 later. 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but in their defense, we didn't fucking know shit had feathers then either. So, like, it wasn't no. common knowledge that, hey, all, all these things running around had feathers on them. But they also, and in, in not their defense, keep calling a thing a velociraptor, which was 100% not a velociraptor. Like, no. you could kick a velociraptor. That They weren't huge. No, they weren't. They were about the size of a coyote. Yeah. He can come running at you, and if, you, if you're fast enough, you can kick him in the head. You're, so, did I forget. Was, is, that, is that a Utah raptor, the one? Or yeah, it's the Utah raptor that's... Yeah, I guess but Utah bigger. Raptor wasn't as fun to say as Velociraptor when they were doing dressing. Utah Raptor was discovered during the filming of it, so it hadn't gotcha. been formally described. Gotcha. Uh, There's only been one, too, isn't there? Utah Raptor? Yeah. No, there have been no, a couple several. skeletons of Utah Raptor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and I guess they, they, they kind of hinted towards it during the film when they show, like, when they find them in the desert doing digging and all, they're kind of digging up a Utah Raptor in, in, in that area. Well, in that area, what they probably, you know, at the time that it was filmed would have been uh, Deinonychus. Gotcha. 
Uh, Jeff Hedrick said, get Travis to describe an archaeopteryx for listeners. $5 if he does it in the style of an archaeologist belittling a child for comparing a raptor to a turkey. (laughs) Oh. Well, they weren't the size of turkeys. They were about the size of a crow. (laughs) That's that's not nearly as scary. Does he get extra if he uh, threatens to impale the kid with the... To to disembowel him (laughs) with the... Yeah. (laughs) Disembowel him with the... Yeah. Oh. Uh, so snakes evolved venom fangs multiple times from wrinkles and their teeth. That's interesting. Yeah. What an odd one. Uh, bizarre armored spikes belong to oldest ankylosaurs ever discovered. I love ankylosaurs with their bony knobs. What's cool is that ankylosaurs are what stegosaurs basically evolved into. They're yeah. the same... They're the same branch. So they, they started with the really ornate things on their back, and then those ended up, you know, they big round shell. shorter and squatter and flattening and turning them into, yeah, like a, a, a shell in a mobile tank complex. Like a giant armadillo dinosaur with a bony knob. Yeah. So instead of being spiky and stabby, they ended up just being clubbed to death. <laughs> uh, fossils of the Cretaceous period. Coelacanth discovered in Texas. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Fossils estimated to be over 96 million years old. Wow. That's a cool one. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> Some memes. Oh, uh, Jeff sent me a, a picture the other day of this happening, but it was in Texas and Galveston of the alligators during this time of year where they stick just their nose through the ice and they basically get frozen to place as the water freezes above them. Um, but he sent me one. This is the picture from North Carolina here, but he sent me one the other day. I think it was from Galveston. Or from Beaumont, from Beaumont. Have you ever seen the pictures from the Colorado Gator Farm? Yeah. Where they do that? Yeah. Uh, I saw this meme and it made me think of Warren Booth. It was about bed bugs. So, the bed bugs five million years ago, and then all of a sudden beds are invented, and they got super excited. Uh, and this is just a dumbass freehandling a cobra. We'll go right past that one. I don't know what that is. That's a very angry, frilled lizard. That's it's a, cool a shot. same angry frilled lizard. It is a cool shot. I don't understand why they actually climb people's legs while they're angry at them. <laughs> they want you to know. They're going to they, go club them in the nuts. They want you to know that they are angry. And then they're going to run away. Uh, Jeff said, do we know for sure that Stegosaurus plates stood upright? Could they have hung down like armor or an empty kid's, <laughs> an empty kid's hair? I mean em- emo. An emo, emo kid's hair. hair is what he meant to put there. <laughs> Just, just uh, flopping no, around. They, 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 they stuck up right. Yeah. Just flopping around back there. Um, I don't know what this guy's doing. He's got a venomous snake, snake in his hand. Looks like he has a Russell's Viper in his hand. Well, that's fucking stupid. That's a Russell's Viper. Well, that's why he's wearing such an armored glove. I don't. I just don't trust gloves. Like for that, I'm just not. You're the glove guy. I am. I trust them for my sand boas. I don't care how much you tell me that they're going to save me against a rattlesnake. I'm not putting a fucking glove on and picking up a rattlesnake. It's just. Well, I think those are like those hex armor gloves. Yeah. Sometimes shit happens. And that shit ain't happening to me. Um, You didn't pull up the picture I put on there of uh, which Drake's Tokay. I didn't see it. Named after Travis. I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, it's in there. I saw it. I didn't go past it. Maybe it was farther oh, so back. Like right when, right right when we were, were jumping on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
He's actually been doing really well with it. He handles them. It just it'll just chills with oh. him now. That's because more things have been added since we started. And okay, my bad. Hold on, I'll pull it up. Dun, 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 dun. Before we get let's see. So there is your son's toke gecko named after Travis. Yep, that's your namesake, Travis. Yeah. He has some size on him. He is. God, angry ass lizards. Like I said this one's doing really well, so I'm I'm pleased with that. And then uh, this is cool. Friend of Costa Rica took this picture of let's see, the coral snake being eaten by let's see, a it's a cree no, a tropical rat snake. So that's cool. Like that thing is bleeding. If you look at that picture, there's blood coming out of the snake's mouth. So it has crushed this thing, yeah. and mm-hmm. that coral snake is bleeding. That is crazy. So, anyways, uh, we are towards the end. So if anybody stuck with us, thanks. It was our pint-sized reptile podcast. We we didn't talk about a lot of pint-sized reptiles. We uh, for anybody again. I mean, we talked about the rubber boas for a minute. That's true. Uh, Mike hit viper boas this year, so. See, we we gotta we gotta do some episodes, but you know what we need to do? We need to do rubber boas. I need to get uh, the Zirkles back on, and we need to do a pint-sized reptile podcast with them. That'd be cool. And do rubber boas because we did rubber boas before, but I think it was just us, right? We didn't bring a rubber boa person. Yeah, it was in. just us. Yeah, that was need, the first episode. Yeah, yeah. So we need to bring the Zirkles back and do another one. So maybe we'll find some time and we can and we can do it. If anybody wants to go listen, I think there's like eight episodes that we did. It is. Mm. That sounds right. Um, Seven or eight. The the monk is the best one. Go find that one. The monk is absolutely the best one. The monk is the best episode. Yeah, that's great. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go find Pint Size Reptile Podcast and, and and look for the monk episode. It's like episode three or four, episode I think. Three. The cursing three. monk. The cursing monk. <laughs> that was a great one. Um, but we'll try to do some more. It's next week is episode 200 for this. Um, that's awesome. Well, it's funny. I I, I saw another podcast that I mean they're on YouTube. I saw them post about an upcoming show. It was like number 400 and something. But then I realized that they do like a trillion of their podcasts like a week. So like, I don't know how long he's been doing his podcast and don't get me wrong. He's got a lot of followers, even though he's annoying as fuck. Um, but it's all ball Python bros. And uh, you got a ton. This is 200 episodes once a week for four years. Uh, this is a pain in the butt. I'm not going to lie. It's worth it. I enjoy it, but God, uh, I think back 200 episodes, but I am excited about the coming up episodes. Like I said, I've got that guy that did the article on the teeth. So I'm excited about that one. I've got a couple other good ones coming up. Uh, my dad posted You've some great guests over these 200 too. Dude. I, so in recent, the, the circles we got coming on was an awesome one. I really enjoyed that one. And like I say, I, I go way back. The Kathy love one I did was one of my favorites. Cause I had Kathy great. love on and I love Kathy love. Um, the all doctors one. I, I really liked that. I one. enjoyed I actually, the all doctors one. I mean, Travis was there, I but think I had to stop. I had to go upstairs, and so I did. So, but then I went back and re-listened to the whole thing, and that was a really good one. I've uh, I still got to put out last week's episode because I, I have forgotten. It's just me and Katie hanging out. Uh, but I still got to put that out, and then I'll put this one out. And then next week we're going to have uh like so our goal next week is to have guests on every fifteen minutes. Uh, and and for some of those guests, it, that's going to be hard because uh, they don't shut up. When I say some of them, I, I mean Ryan, Ryan, uh, McVeigh, and Sean Gray. Those are going to be the two that are going to get the wrap it up. That's what I need to do. I need to find some wrap it up music and put it on the board and just start playing wrap it up music like they do at the Oscars when we get towards the end of their 15 minutes and then just yank them off stage. 
My dad said the Cursing Monk episode was freaking awesome. That was, like I said, that was a great one. I, that was a good one. Uh, Lincoln popped in here. He popped in on that one, too, I think. <laughs> so if people want to get a hold of either one of y'all, and if Jason, they want to talk to you about Russian Samboas, which y'all should definitely get black Russian Samboas once he has them all going and eating, or Rainbow Boas, you should definitely get Rainbow Boas from Jason. Or if you want to talk about weird-ass got- snakes with weird-ass teeth from Travis, you should do that. But Jason, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, top line constrictors uh, on Facebook or top line constrictors at gmail.com. And Travis. I'm Travis Wyman on Facebook. I'm snakes and bakes on Instagram. She definitely follows James, snakes. And bakes. James already made fun of me for, you know, the <laughs> 20 odd minutes about my, my business name and my shitty logo. We're going to so get that logo fixed. You already know how to find me on morph market. Jeff, we are going to get that logo. That is God, Travis. <laughs> Like we always talk shit about people when you go to reptile shows and their logos and their setups. And then I pull up Travis's logo. I know, but I pull up Travis's logo and I'm like, some people are like trying way too hard. And you're like, guys, you need to edit your, your picture back. And then Travis is like, Travis, you need to try. (laughs) See, I'm glad I didn't show mine because James was pretty brutal. Yours is fine. For my own self. I don't breed snakes to sell them. So but you I'm do not, sell them. I'm not as worried about You do sell them. And Travis, I en- do. enough people know but you. I- you need to have a, a fitting logo for yourself other than what looks like you did with clip art. You drew it. <laughs> He's in- like, I did do it with clip art. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it so much worse since we're just piling on me. I did that in PowerPoint. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I was about to say paint. (laughs) Just just in paint. I don't even think I told you, but I did that in Word. The pint size. I mean, I hand drew the glass and stuff. Uh, Yeah, the pint size one. I love the pint size one. I put it all together in in Word. (laughs) Jeff said, Travis has done it the right way. Logo once you're established and ready for more. But he doesn't have a logo, and he's been established for a while. I'm not calling what you have a logo. I refuse. I refuse. Uh, so Jeff's going to help you out because Jeff has done our it's Reptile Gumbo podcast. And I will I will say that I've gotten a lot of uh, positive stuff about, and if anybody's watching, it's in the upper right corner right now, but a lot of positive stuff about our Reptile Gumbo podcast logo that we have now from Jeff. I yeah, love that it. that one came out great. I love that one. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love the old one. It's great art, but this is a great logo. Um, so yeah. Jeff is awesome. Anyways, uh I'm out. We'll be back next week with our 200th episode. We're going to be in Conroe this weekend, trying to do some interviews. If anybody's listening is in Conroe, come by, say hi to us. Maybe hop on the podcast. You can say hi to us there. Don't forget to go to our Facebook page and comment your favorite reptile gift that you've gotten on that post that we have at the top, and you can win a blanket. Uh, Jeff said Jason hit him up also, so he can help you out as well. Um, I think that's it. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you guys for coming on. Stay around. Everybody else, uh, have a good week. Goodbye. Goodbye.